everybody and welcome to the Portsmouth Running Podcast. This is a show that has been created to let the runners in and around the Portsmouth area to share their stories and experiences about running. I am your host, Daniel Del Piccolo. Welcome to any new subscribers and listeners. Uh, And for those of you who may not know yet, we do have social media channels as well where we announce updates uh, and new shows. Uh, Those are both on Instagram and Twitter as Portsmouth Running Podcast. And we do also have a Facebook page, which is also Portsmouth Running Podcast. So do follow those depending on which uh, social media channels you use uh, to get all the latest shows and updates announced. If you also want to get in touch with the show, you can do via our email address, which is, again, you've probably guessed it, portsmouthrunningpodcast at gmail.com. Um, and if you've got any comments about the show, it would be great to, to hear back from you, whether you enjoyed it or you didn't enjoy it, or whether you've got ideas on any future guests, or you just want to send some comments about the show, please do so. Um, it's always greatly appreciated. Uh, as, as I say, I've said before, the idea of the show is to get it running, but also to keep improving on it, and uh, no comments are bad comments. Thank you very much. So I hope your weeks have been good so far, and uh, you've been having uh, some good training sessions in and stuff. The week's been okay, actually, weather-wise. It's not been too bad. We've had a few uh, a few wet days and a few uh, windy nights and stuff, but yeah, generally training's uh, it's been been quite good weather for training. Um, Obviously, I do. I've said before, I do a lot of, lot of my lunchtime runs um, in and around the Winchester area, which is a little bit more inland, uh, so we tend to get a little bit more protected from the wind. But uh, I know those of you training out on the seafront uh, all week probably have it a little bit worse. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been quite a good week temperature-wise. We've been quite lucky that it's not been too cold. Um, there have been a few kind of frosty mornings out and about, but uh, so far, so good. So long may it last. Uh, I've just got back myself um, after recording this from a Saturday South Sea Park run. Uh, really good morning this morning. It was uh, one of my previous guests, uh, Debbie uh, Debbie Pentland. It was her 200th park run. Um, so she was down there uh, in fancy dress, funny enough. <laughs> she was dressed as a tiger. And uh, there were lots of other people dressed up as well. There was a big uh, chocolate cake I saw, which I didn't get to have a piece of because I had to come home. Uh, but no, it looked like everyone was having a lot of good fun there, a lot of photos going on. And I think, I believe Debbie was actually um, held up by somebody. So they, they kind of picked her up and got a really, really cool photo. And we all jumped in as well. So yeah, really, really good fun morning. Thank you to the volunteers down there. It was a really, really windy morning. But uh, so I hope you all kept warm out there. But a very, very good run. Now, uh, I wanted to chat a little bit about what uh, I got up to about a week ago. And uh, Jason Skiro, a previous guest as well, and I drove all the way to Birmingham to see the National Running Show for the first time. Uh, it's a show that I've wanted to, to go and see a couple of years running, but never actually managed to, to make it up there the weekend that it's come about. So um, as it turns out, last year I was running one of the On The Whistle events, which was the Batty Bimble up at uh, Hogmore Enclosure. Um, and I'll tell you what, that was a miserable day if, uh, if you don't like the rain because it, it literally poured it poured it down the whole six hours that we were out on the course. Um, but yeah, it was a really good good uh, good day out. And um, I met somebody there, uh, a man called Mike Seaman, who uh, spoke to me about the National Running Show. And after our conversation, it turned out that he, he was one of the organizers or the organizer of the show. And he managed to uh, give me a pair of um, tickets, which also got us access to 
uh, some nice coffee lounges there at the show. So yeah, I thought I'd make good use of them and go up and, and see what it was like. And I wasn't really too sure what to expect. Uh, the show, obviously, I you know I'd seen a few pictures and heard a few things about about the different talks and stuff that was going on. But when I uh, initially looked at the lineup of guests that they had this year, um, it was absolutely amazing because they had loads of um, ultra runners. Uh, on there um, because I believe that they were trying a new ultra zone at the national running show because there was a there'd obviously been comments that that one was one was needed and one was wanted by by the visitors and yeah the lineup of guests included uh, the likes of Camille Heron who is um, obviously many ultra runners would have heard of she holds the the 24 uh, not the 24 hour in fact she might hold the 24 hour uh, uh, world record but it's the the hundred mile women's world record um, she is over from. She was over from America. There was also visiting the National Running Show, Laz Lake, who many of you would have seen on the Barkley Marathon shows on Netflix, and he is one of the masterminds uh, behind the the Barkley Marathon. And yeah, so that kind of level of guests. Oh, also Dean Carnassus, who many of you would uh, have read his books. Uh, I think one of them is called Run. I think it was the first one I read. Obviously, he's the the guy who just manages to put in incredible amounts of mileage, and he's done all the famous runs like uh, Bad Water and Desert Runs and all sorts of Marathon de Sable. I think he might have done as well. So yeah, re- really good, uh, really good lineup of guests. And obviously, there were loads more uh, guests. There was, in fact, I think there was about three or four pages of them. So yeah, good talks all through the day. So yeah, we drove up. Um, I'm I'm kind of diverting a little bit off off track here, but Jason and I drove up. It was a nice clean drive through. We left at about quarter past six. Uh, it was a nice easy park. I got my parking beforehand at the NEC, and uh, yeah, we got there, went inside, decided to go and grab a coffee with the with the tickets that we had. So we went inside this this tent in the corner, and lo and behold, Dean Carnassus was in there, just getting ready for his more his morning uh, presentation. Uh, and I know, especially for Jason, who I drove up with, this was like a real special moment because Jason. Uh, has always wanted to go and run the Spartathlon run, and obviously Dean's done that quite a few times and written a book uh, kind of centred around the race. So Jason got to have a good chat with him, and and I tell you what, that kind of set the day up really, really nicely. And you know, after that, we just mooched around and saw loads of uh, stalls and loads of um, products, new products, new uh, new head torches, shoes. Uh, there was there was loads of nutrition stuff. The Tailwind stand was up there. Uh, so I got to try their new Colorado Colorado cola flavored Tailwind, um, which I it was nice, but uh, I'm still still gone off the Tailwind a little bit for for a little while. Uh, but yeah, it was good. Loads and loads of um, stuff to look at. Lots of good food. Um, the talks were were absolute quality. Uh, and yeah, so I was very lucky to get to meet uh, Camille Heron, which was lovely. Dean Carnassus, and we also got a photo with Laz Lake. And uh, for those of you who know Laz Lake. Um, obviously, you'll you'll realise uh, that he's a, he he's created uh, the, obviously the Barkley Marathon Run and a few others uh, like Big's uh, Backyard Ultra. Uh, you should go and look him up if you don't know him because he's a he's a really interesting character and he was just like he is on the on the screen really. He's he looks a little bit kind of like walks around a little bit bewildered, kind of being being led by everyone and kind of wondering why everyone wants to come up to him and get his photo and stuff. So yeah, uh, it was good. Really, really good day out. I'd highly recommend it next year. So for those of you listening who have been considering going up to the National Running Show, look out for tickets. Uh, I know they've already started announcing uh, the guests, the guest lineups for next year. Um, and there is also one coming up in June in London as well. So they t- I think they, they, they must split the show out into two 
um, through the year. So yeah, very, very good day out. Highly recommend it and definitely going back next year. Now, my guest this week is Richard Tews. Richard is a runner in Portsmouth who is originally from Glasgow. And Richard had an absolutely incredible story to tell and a, quite a difficult uh, interview to, to give as well because it got very emotional at times and Richard uh, admitted to never really having sat down with somebody uh, and chatted through everything that he's been through um, all at once. Uh, Richard's uh, was diagnosed at an early age with diabetes and from that um, ended up uh, losing uh, the majority of his sight at an early age as well um, which he'll go into some more detail about on on the show and in the interview Um, and uh, after that as well uh, Richard had to have a kidney and pancreas transplant so a lot of the interview is focused around Richard's health but more importantly just how much uh, of a helping hand uh, and friend running has been to him and including a number of other sports that Richard's uh, taken part in as well and Richard has you know since being registered as a blind runner and and a transplant survivor uh, has actually managed to represent Great Britain at the World Transplant Games but I don't want to give away too much in the interview just just saying that a lot of the discussion that we had was was based around um, a lot of Richard's health but the message that came across really, really strongly is just that that without running, uh, you know, it would have been a lot more of a difficult uh, struggle for Richard to get through a lot of these times in his life. And uh, I really hope you enjoy the interview. Richard's a fantastic guy. Uh, I met him in a very, very unique situation, which again, we we discuss on the show. But yeah, please join me in in welcoming Richard Richard onto the show. And again, if you do see him out and about, uh, he does visit South Sea Park Run quite regularly and he does wear a, a blind runner's shirt which stands out quite well I think because it's um it's yellow in colour. Do go over and say hello to Richard. He, he does say that a lot of people kind of tend to avoid him because they're not sure you know, what to say or, or how, how he runs South Sea Park Run but he does manage on his own. As I say he's a blind uh, registered runner but he does have uh, a small very small portion of his eyesight left which does help him uh, out on the course and he knows South Sea Park Run back to front. Uh, again, uh, a lot of that he talks about on the show about how he knows his roots and he knows where every lamppost and every bin is. But yeah, I really hope you enjoy the interview. Uh, it's very, very insightful and gives um, certainly gave me a lot to think about. So enjoy the show and hope to speak to you all soon. Take care. Rich, hello and welcome to, as I always say to my guests, welcome to my house and really appreciate you taking the time to come and chat to us about your story. No problems at all. Thank you very much for having me. I think it's quite harsh though, coming after Emma Jolly last week. That's, a, oh, that's an actor catch. Come on. I, Emma's probably going to be thinking the same after she's no, heard this interview. <laughs> I've read a lot about that girl. She's absolutely spot on. Great runner. Yeah, she, she was a really good guest and, and obviously all the guests have been fantastic mm. on the show and it's... Yeah, like I say, it's it's just nice to hear comments like you've been listening to the show yeah. and stuff. And I've listened, said, I've, I'm a bit of a geek. I wait for them to come out and I listen to them and learn loads on my running. So it's really good to listen to. <laughs> Brilliant! I'm so glad. Um, excellent. So, um, so Rich, do you want to just start by telling us your name, who you are, where you're from, and just a little bit about yourself? Um, I'm Richard Tews, otherwise known as the Blind Runner, or as a lot of my friends call me, the Blind Boy. Um, it is. Don't take offence to it. I'm not precious. Um, <laughs> it's just who I am. At the end of the day, if you don't have a sense of humour about it, you don't laugh. Completely um, agree. And life goes backwards, is my opinion. Um, it's the way I learned to deal with my visual impairment, or registered blind. Um, I'm originally from Glasgow. Um, lived there till I was 15. Then I moved down to England in 1992. Okay. Um, never ran. Well, I did at school. Mm-hmm. 
um, and that was about it really I was always a football player that's all I did okay. football 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 I was very very quick on a pitch um, it was always over 10 metres nothing could touch me in a, on a football pitch really? so if there was any other quick boys on the park even though I was a defender Rich just track that boy over there Willie he's a little bit quick for that boy oh yeah alright after a couple of minutes he wasn't running past me anymore <laughs> that, was, that was what I was good at I was good at short distance speed work hmm. and um, I moved um, down to Fareham Porchester okay. that direction right. with my dad yeah. um, that was for just I needed something different. I was in Glasgow, I was 15. Basically, I learned to run properly, probably in Glasgow, was from being chased home from school. Um, okay. It was a rough, rough school. Yeah, it was, okay, I was, was, it, was it chased in a good way or a bad way? Uh, a bad, bad way. It wasn't always, no. Okay. It, it, it definitely taught me um, how to accelerate quite quickly, quite rapidly. Mm. Um, so obviously, at that time, your vision was fine. Oh, yeah. I had full sight. I yep. was, as I was explaining to you before we came on, um, I'm 42 now mm-hmm. and I've been I'm registered blind 21 years and I had full sight for 21 years so it's okay. 50-50 at the moment so half, halfway halfway yeah, yeah, yeah. 50-50 yeah. okay brilliant um, so you grew up in Glasgow what school did you go to? Um, I went to Queen's Park Secondary it's no longer there now I left in 92 it was demolished in 94 so my mates blame me for that a lot of them I <laughs> yeah. still talk to yeah Richard got that school knocked down he left something was looking quite well so yeah it's all gone it's houses now it's all been new new estate oh, and everything yeah. like that now it was very good school it sounds like you were really really sporty as a kid then you like to, I had the I was lucky enough to have the opportunity of trying every sport I wanted to try mm-hmm. um, I raced boats had my own boats for many years um, raced them at an okay level football horse riding um, swimming still swim like a stone no, yep. I'm not very good with that um, Lyra's had options of doing all sorts um, windsurfing canoeing okay. everything oh, okay. so you were very very active uh, Always, as a, yeah, as a yeah. child yeah. Yeah. so I've, I've got to um, I've got to say uh, tell everyone now who's, who's listening that we met in, a, in yes, an unusual way we did indeed and uh, I'll, I'll, I'll quickly tell the story yeah. is that um, you know Richard phoned me because I'm a bagpiper mm-hmm. and you'd asked if I was available to play at your wedding at yeah. your, your and Claire's wedding yeah um, and I think one of the phone calls I was out, either either out of breath or I was going I think on a run. At, you were out on a long run. Okay. Were, I think what from memory you were running the route around the bottom of um, Eastney, the Eastney um, toilets. Uh, that okay, route right. around there onto the beach because you said I've just gone onto a route in uh, down in Eastney. So that's the only one I could think okay, of. Okay, right. Yeah, probably was that. Yeah. Then. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we, yeah, we got chatting. Obviously, mm. you found out about all your running and stuff, and uh, yeah, it's mm. kind of known you ever since. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'll tell you what. Your story is an incredible one because. Not only, as you mentioned earlier, um, are you registered blind, mm-hmm. but you are also a, and I need, to, I need to ask you if this is the right yeah. term, a transplant survivor. Yes. Is that, is that how, is that an official it's, term? It's, well, it's an official term, is transplant survivor. We call it, we, there's never really a correct name for it. We're just transplant patients. We, okay. we got through a horrible time and we're still there. Okay. And, and, what, and what transplant was that? Just I had a, a kidney and a pancreas, an SPK it's known as, a simultaneous pancreas kidney transplant. Um, I was, in 2006, my dad noticed I got quite ill in December 2005, just around Christmas time. He said, you don't look well, Rich. I went, all right, no, fair enough. So I went and saw my GP. And that afternoon, I was up at the renal unit. Okay. And the consultant took bloods. I mean... I still don't know how I still survived after the amount of blood they took out. Really? I went, what are you taking? Do I get any of that back? Oh, clearly worried. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and um, I went, okay. And he came back, he said, kidneys failed. He said, they're not working. Wow. He said, you don't know how you've done it, but they've not been working for a while. 
So, yeah, that was back in 2005. But Gosh, wow. We'll talk a bit more about it later because there's loads yeah, of stuff before absolutely. that. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. No, we're definitely going yeah. to draw some kind of timeline yeah. soon. I'm but, yeah. very open on that. Um, I was a lucky boy. Mm, absolutely, very that sounds boy. like it. And was that was that due to diabetes? It was due to so so. You, I know you had, yeah. we, we chatted a little bit before, yeah. beforehand and exchanged yeah. some information, and uh, you said about diabetes. Now was that diagnosed a lot earlier in your life? Um, I was two years old, so okay. was, I'm still. That's weird. I know the date. I keep getting told that it was September the seventeenth, nineteen seventy nine, was the wow, official right. day I was told your son was diabetic. Well, my parents were told. Okay, and um, yeah, it was. I was very young because normally that that sort of in that era, kids weren't normally getting picked up until about four or five years old. Okay. But I was two. I'd literally just turned two. Mm. Birthdays in June, as we both know, we had the same birthday. Yes. Well, we, <laughs> uh, yeah, fourth of June, nineteen seventy-seven, which is we another incredible. Uh, incredible yeah, we do fact. indeed. Yeah, we do indeed. We I don't know how we were talking about it Parkrun last week. Yeah. But um, that's I was literally two and two months and. Mm diabetes just hurt me attacked me and mm. I just accepted it from when I was young I didn't like it I didn't enjoy it I was different all those sorts of things I always it, it, I always disregarded it didn't want to take any notice of it but um, I learned I think it was my it was my dad that basically got he said it's part of you you're not part of it good way yeah yeah. and that's the way I had to accept it in the end now, when he said that I got it it's amazing how words like that, just phrases and, and pieces mm. of advice and, and goodwill that people yeah. give across can actually mean so much. Words can actually yeah. really mean a lot, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah my dad still celebrates that. He made, he made me realise. Yeah. He, he just, one of his little jokes, well, I remember son, you know. And I'm like, yeah, I know, dad. You helped me deal with it. Well, you certainly had like a number of challenges in your life to uh, um, to, to deal with. And uh, yeah. <laughs> but what's, what's remarkable about you, Rich, and, I, and you know, I've, mm. I've known you for nearly a couple of yeah. years now and stuff, is that you're... You're just always persistent, and you always kind of carry on with everything. Just yeah. you know, you don't let these things kind of get you down. And I'm sure you've had your moments, which we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll chat about. Yeah. But yeah, it's um, yeah. safe to say that you uh, you take these things head on. All literally, the time. sometimes literally <laughs> head on and, and neon as we'll find out. Yes. Better. So, Rich, how would your friends and like your colleagues and stuff describe you generally? Um, my friends would just say he's kamikaze. <laughs> um. They just, my friends now forget I'm actually registered blind I love that they forget they just okay. you'll be alright but then they'll pick up on something oh hang on we, Rich can't, we know Rich can't see a drop off step okay. and somebody just grabbed me so a good balance a good balance of stuff a yeah. really good balance they don't yeah. go out their way they don't say they'll joke about it they'll laugh about it we'll have a bit of fun so when I first lost my sight I lost a lot of friends a lot of people just didn't want to know they didn't know how to deal with me I lost quite yeah. a few friends and it went on like that um, but my really close friends for example one of the memories I remember was I was in Weatherspoons and I went up to the toilets because the toilets were always upstairs I came back downstairs sat back down looked around and went who the hell are you lot my mate's got up and moved tables oh, no. <laughs> and they're all sat over there howling they go well yeah you're right you can't see us you're round oh it was a plain whose round it was could Richard actually find us <laughs> but that made me me yeah yeah, that's you know, brilliant. Yeah. that made yeah. me who I am that made me go yeah right who's buying the beers yeah, and and it's kind of like yeah. it's not keep it's not making an elephant in the room of it, is no, it? It's just it's, it's there. Yeah, and like you say, you keep a sense of humour about it, and that's the way that's the way you like to deal with it, and, and how your friends deal with yeah, it. Yeah, it was great. When I first lost, when I first lost my sight, it was hard. Mm. It was two years. I lost my sight at a certain point. I think it was August '99. It's always as and when. I can't remember when it was. Yeah, and. Um, 
it was I just didn't think there was going to be a life after mm-hmm. but and, so I, I'll tell you what I'm, I'm, I'll, start, I'll, mm. I'll pause you there just yeah. for a sec let's let's go into this right so mm. so it's 1999 yeah. you've moved down south yeah um, you've done a variety of different sports and stuff but you're not actually running running per se at this time no the first bit of running I did was at, at secondary school in Glasgow it was we had to do cross country as part of PE mm-hmm. and um, they were picking for the cross country Scottish championships and everything like that and it was literally around the school grounds. There was quite a bit of grounds. You got sent out into parks, across roads, and all sorts. It was proper cross country. It was yeah, like yeah. really up and down hills, pushing buttons to cross pedestrians and pedestrian crossings and all that sort of okay. stuff. And I was useless. Right. I was absolutely useless at it. Didn't enjoy it. No, much. I was just useless. Okay. I quite liked out for a plod. I quite enjoyed it. It was all right, but they just disappeared in the distance. I was quite small at school. Mm-hmm. I was. I'm only five ten now, and my dad's still thinks it's quite funny when he sees me on an athletics track compared to the other sprinters <laughs> he still finds it amusing but yeah running and I plodded in at the back they've all got changed in their school uniforms again and going to lunch Yeah, just finishing the run oh you were enjoying it more than that I'm sure there, yeah I'm just plodding around me and my mate it was me and a bloke called Alan Graham who was nicknamed the caveman because he did look like a caveman he looked like a Nathaniel <laughs> just big forehead here. but what a bloke it's one of the smartest men I know and we were just plodding around at the back having a chat about we went for lunch, oh, yeah, off. and okay. got back, and we we neither of us enjoyed it, mm. but we had to do it for PE. And the teachers were always at the end going, "Getting slower, boys." <laughs> <laughs> well, do you know, at least you were participating. Because yeah. I, I was one of those yeah. kids. I think I've said earlier that I, you know, just mm. kind of hide away in the library, and yeah, and you know, if you forgot your kids at home, thinking you would get out of it, it was vest and pants. Yes, you know? we've been the same. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So, um, so that's good. That's good that you enjoyed it and kind of mm. participated. But then again, you had that kind of sporting love, I guess, and you yeah. were you were always keen maybe on team sports and, yeah. and you had the sailing and yeah. football and stuff, everything like that. Yeah. Okay, so so 1999 comes. How if you could just take us through how what happened with your site? Because obviously I know the story, um, but it'd be good to yeah. good to good to kind of dig out the weeds. Um, I was got to a level. I was quite getting quite good at football. Um, I was quick on a football pitch. I could cross a ball. I could get down the wings. Mm-hmm. And in back in those that sort of ninety two, ninety three, those days, God. Um, <laughs> back in those back days. Back in those yeah. days, but that was what he wanted. That was the game they wanted. They want something fast, get down, ball in the box. And I was playing decent level, playing with Cambly, who was semi pro, and had trials down at Bournemouth. So I was doing okay. Wow. Okay. Um, and I lost my sight. It was a sneeze. It was a sneeze. I was going to ask it was how it sneeze. actually happened. There was. It's a condition called retinopathy, which basically means there's blood bleeding into the retinas Mm -hmm. and all the vessels bleed because they become weak. And um, they basically sneeze, and where they sneeze, the pressure just split the retinas and blood just filled my eyes. Oh my gosh. And I got taken up to, um, I think it was my dad took me to Southampton Eye Hospital, and I was in surgery within a couple of hours, maybe the following day or something. I can't remember exactly what was going on. And the first surgery was fine. They just sealed all the blood vessels and everything like that and went, yeah. And the eyesight wasn't too bad, a little bit blurry. Okay. They said, don't drive or do anything like that. I went, oh, fair enough. And um, he said, we'll see you in a couple of weeks. And a couple of days passed. Can you come back up, please? Some of your tests have come back. I went, okay, fair enough. Went back up to the hospital and they said, you're going to lose your sight. As oh. blunt as that, wow. you're going to lose your sight. And at that moment... Life. That, that must have been just been devastating. I, looked, I looked at my dad I remember looking at my dad I think I'm sure it was my dad was stood, sat with me and I went 
No, can't be happened, can it? Mm. Not just like that. I knew it was a condition of diabetes, but what do I do? And my dad, I could see my dad trying to stay positive, but I know my dad, and he's heartbroken. I bet. Um, but he went, you'll be all right. We'll get it. Yeah. We'll do what the doctors say. They'll, and I am supposed to be totally blind. I'm supposed to have no sight whatsoever. Is that but because they were expecting it to go completely? To go completely but I had okay. some new age surgery. Right. It was just happening at the time for a doctor called, another man from South Africa, a gentleman mm-hmm. called Dr. Cannon. And um, he was at Southampton Hospital at the time. And he said, I've got, I think I can help you. I don't know. And he was my consultant. We're doing this. Would you like to be part of it? Yeah, what have I got to lose? And what they did was he took all the gel out of the eye okay. and then put like, it's, they called it scaffolding but they put this stuff to hold my eyes open so it didn't collapse on itself because they'd taken all the inner gel out right so he took all the gel out of both eyes and then filled it with a gas to hold the eye solid mm-hmm. so my eyes are quite rigid they're not soft like most people's mine are quite a solid sort okay. of construction and then he said what we're going to do after that is then move your retina which is very new because of all the mic- the nerve ends on we're going to move it to the best possible place where there's enough sight that we can use with you yep. so they just moved it they didn't take it off they just moved it and stitched it all back together they actually stitched it because laser would have zapped the eye so they actually mm. had to go in and tiny stitch the eye and that took four surgeries yeah. to do the eye is one of those kind of pieces of the body you, you just don't want to think about this kind of stuff happening and not at all um, but that's incredible that they can do that it's yeah so the left eye if I, shut my, if I shut my right eye now I can't see you but I can see your window and I can see your door that's all I can see okay if I do that I can see you but it looks like I'm looking through glasses with suntan cream smeared on them. Okay. That's right. how it okay. looks. That's the best. But I've also got a load of black spodgies. That's an interesting way to, to yeah. describe it then. Okay, and right. I'm always in glasses because the retinas can't detect light and adjust like yours would. Mm-hmm. Mine just are solid in that place. So I'm always wearing glasses, sunglasses when I'm running. Yeah, yeah. Even when it's raining, sunglasses. Okay, so that, wow. That, I mean, that was that's, so that's a huge impact statement you know you, you're going to lose your sight I mean you must yeah. it must have taken a long time to, to get over um, that it was almost two years to the day um, I didn't go out didn't want to go out they tried to white cane train me I lost three of them I just kept putting them down and walking off and they, I think there was two in boots one in marks that was just all over the place I just walked away right just I felt vulnerable okay with a white cane I felt a target because mm. um, yeah it happens and I felt really vulnerable so I never bothered I never just okay I can do this I can do this and then eventually I just got housebound okay. wouldn't go out got mates were my close friends that were with me were looking after me making sure I was okay yeah. they were really supportive my family were there my parents were my mum was phoning from Scotland regular my sister everybody was there and my GP was a very close friend of the family because we knew him through sailing really really good man and other consultants were saying he's depressed he needs tablets he needs to press put them on these put them on these put them on the tablets and my GP went no chance I know him leave him he's just figuring out how to live life again he's working on it but but he's not doing this he's not eating enough his diabetes is there and my GP just went give him time Hmm. and I think it was almost to the day my dad came round and he went oh you've tidied the house because I had my own flat okay it's tidy what's happened and what happened was I'd met a man called Tommy McNulty who turned up at my door 
with his guide dog mm-hmm. and said to me, hi, I'm Tommy. I'm here to make sure you start living your life as a blind person. Wow. And my response is unrepeatable, but it was along the lines of, how the hell is a blind bloke with a dog going to help me? <laughs> right. And he kind of went, all right then. And he came in, he said, can you make me a cup of tea? I went, no, do it yourself. <laughs> how can I make you a cup of tea? I'm blind. Hmm. All right then. He, this bloke never been in my house before. I've now learned he's got less than 5% vision. Went in my kitchen and made a cup of tea. Amazing. And yeah. I looked at him and went, well, if you can do it, why can't I? Hmm. So immediately there was there was something, yeah. some lessons going on there. And God. and I've still got him on the end of the phone today, 21 years. He was at my wedding. Wow. He was there with his guide dogs. He, he's, um, yeah, he's always, he's family. He's definitely family. Mm. He got me out of a place I never thought I could get out of. That's amazing. Did he have anything to do with you taking up running after? The, he's, off- a mar- he's a marathon runner. He, okay. And he said he thinks I should start getting into sport. Um, so I started getting into sport. I started doing runs around the block, little bits and pieces. Just like just that. on your own? Just or? on my own, because okay. the site was still at a level that is better than it is now. Um, and I've always known it decreased to this, what it is now. So I could just about get around. None of my friends were runners. Nobody around me were runners or football players. That were, I've had, I had a few friends who were football players go with me, mm-hmm. but um, they couldn't run distances. It was quite amusing. Okay. So I could run 2K at that stage, and they couldn't. But um, it got me going. But my life really took off for me after my eyesight losing was when I got my first guide dog. Okay. When I first got Bates. And that's when it really started. He gave me my independence, even when I didn't have him. Yep. So if I was going to the track, I knew he was on the side. Wow, Bates was never on the side. He was always digging in the sand pit. Mm. He was, I normally used to get long jumpers shout, Rich, guide dog's dug a big hole in the sand pit again <laughs> sorry it's alright he's asleep on the high jump mat now or something Okay. and he was well respected down at City of Portsmouth so between between you between the blindness and yeah. and 2005 which is when I think when Bates when you got first got yep. Bates yep. that's six years so I mean if just, just as, a, as a summary was it, what was, yeah, what was, was going on in that six years was oh, it just oh yeah I went away I went to Loughborough RNIB college to right. learn to be be able to be employed again to okay. get, build people's confidences but my issue was I just built my confidence as a blind person on my own mm-hmm. when I went there it's like a bubble this is the blind person's bubble this is the RNIB's bubble this is what you must do as a blind person This or you'll never be able to do this, this and this so I kind of got bored of that after about two months of being there in the 18 months course. That's a very interesting kind of mix there where you've kind of mm. learned to do it yourself first and then gone for the, tr- yeah. for the official training. Well, the reason being was I went away to learn how to use computers with all the specialist software and everything like yeah. that. That's what they do. Okay. And it was at Loughborough, place of running. Okay, right. So I spent the majority of my time over at Loughborough University, which the RNIB supported but weren't overly happy about it because... Mm what was the use of them being there but they were doing all my computer software and I had a lot of support in the college a lot of people in there really backed me and the teachers and everything like that but it was um, Loughborough um, I played trained with the Loughborough track there was some really top people up there at oh, the really? time yeah, some real quality runners and I was trained with a Polish coach with all the sprinters okay. and he just seemed to just give me a bit of confidence on the track mm-hmm. and it wasn't technique or anything because I was told him I'm still building my confidence I don't need to know distance. and he really supported me and it was unusual yeah. because I was nothing to do with the uni 
but I was part of the uni athletics track program and whenever the track program down my name was always written at the bottom okay even though I wasn't part of the university they'd accept me part of the uni okay that's and really that's really confidence building I guess. Yeah, yeah it really is good. I went oh thanks that's really nice to know and then when track events come around I had the option to run but I didn't I sat on the side and just watched and learned okay and because I didn't have that much confidence to do that at the time mm. especially against fully sighted athletes at that stage so the running was very much just a kind of a hobby-ish yeah. to kind of keep you doing something keep and, me yeah. motivated okay. keep, me, keep me mentally sound yeah and it's always it's now become my default mm. but it's would you say it positively impacted your life? Oh, massively. Having that to go to every day? Yeah, it was because it always gave me a target. So I was, while you were in the college, and I knew training started at five, mm. and I knew it was in the college to half four, and I knew exactly how long it took me to get to my halls, get my kit on, get my shoes on, and get over there. And I worked out I was about 10 minutes short. Okay. So I'd always go toilet really late on in the day. Mm-hmm. almost every other day <laughs> where's Rich gone oh he went to the toilet by then my coaches knew they just looked out the window yeah there he goes because they knew I was off to the track yeah yeah. and they accepted it because they knew it was doing me positive in the classroom and um, it definitely changed my world running without a doubt it gave me that motivation yeah um, there is a life and then from there I went on and found a job yep moved forward and that was all through Probably, yeah, RIB College has a massive supporting part in that. They also had a lot of negative within that world. Okay. But the running was always there. Brilliant. So no matter how I was feeling. A real anchor. Yeah. It was there. So if I was feeling tired or I wasn't feeling well, or I was feeling, or I had an anxious moment, which I still get every so often as a blind person today. Mm, I bet. Yeah. Um, you still get those moments to go, right, running. And it's always my go to. Okay. That's, um, that's amazing to hear. Yeah. It's clep. Claire, my wife, she's she sits there and goes, you know it's a storm out there today. You've seen my, you've posted on my Strava stuff. Oh, another nuts around the wind in today, <laughs> and it's the storm we just had. I was out running in that, mm. and my Claire goes to me, why, why not? Yeah, well, I, think, I think you faced a lot more in your life, Rich, mm. than, than just yeah. running out in a storm yeah. for, for twenty. But minutes. she worries. Yeah, yeah she's I'm naturally sure. going to worry. Sure. Um, but she goes, there's nobody else out there. Oh, there's loads out on the seafront. Mm. There's loads of us out there. It's not just me. We're all out there giving it a bit of, yeah. yeah. Running into the wind was quite hard work. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm not the biggest people in the world. and I get blown around. I've learned if I've got the wind blowing at me as a blind person, I struggle. Yeah, yeah. Because I use my hearing a lot. Good point. Think Again, something you wouldn't, you wouldn't naturally think about, yeah. So when the wind's hammering you, you lose your hearing because yeah. you just hear the wind you're one more sense down one more guess, sense yeah. so I've tweaked it and I've learned how to dip my head a little bit just to gain something mm. so sometimes if you see me running down the street anybody and I've got my head just dipped slightly to the right or slight I'm just listening I'm not yeah. being weird or anything and this, <laughs> this is the stuff that I'm, I'm just so keen and I'm yeah. glad you're, you're mentioning it because mm. you, you know somebody with full eyesight and stuff they my eyesight's not great these days mm. I'm 42 now but, um, but it's good uh, mm. and just things you don't think about you know you, mm. you know somebody might see you running down the road and think just look at you and think why is that person running like that with their head mm. tilted side but mm. it's really it's fascinating to see that you have to adjust little tiny things like that to get your runs I've in I've also learned when a baseball cap helps okay. because of the peak yeah it helps the sight and the light and but it also gives you a slight channel mm-hmm. of windless bit because where the peak is if you watch where a runner cap it comes down just this side of your head yeah. and it seems to deflect a little bit of the wind away from your ears mm. And I ju- it's not a lot, 
but when you my hearing is my sight yeah. you just pick up yeah. on the minor minor little tweaks mm. and, when, and when you are running I mean you're able because you, you described this to me at Parkrun and I do mm. want to chat about Parkrun yeah. a little bit in a bit yeah. I know it's been a big, big part of your weekly runs yeah. but um, you're seeing what exactly movement just so a lot I'm, of piece together movement I'm putting a lot of trust in mm-hmm. other people that I don't know Okay. So if they run the way I expect runners to go, mm-hmm. and they should do what they do, all good. Because you're almost going with the current. With them, yeah. and then I'll trundle past people, and I'll go through. But I've always got, that's movement, that's how he's moving. And you learn who you're running with mm. for like that K kilometer you're with them, or a couple of hundred meters. And you learn the movement. Yeah. So if you watch, if I'm watching somebody in front of me, I go, right, he's going left, he's sticking steady. He's moving. Where'd he come from? Okay, he's done that. But the ones that struggle me is when I get cut, sliced through. If somebody goes straight through me, yeah, or yeah, yeah. somebody changes their direction rapidly, which happens, doesn't happens. it? Happens. It's oh, natural. Yeah. It's yeah, one of yeah, those yeah. things. It's not me. Don't do it. Whatever. And my brain can't quite give the signals to my eyes that I need. And yeah, it should be the eyes to the brain. Mm. Mine isn't. I've got to think about it to tell my eyes what it's seeing. Yeah then for me to react yeah. and what you're used to seeing and processing what I'm used, used to, to pre- then yeah okay so it's, so it's a little bit of a, of a slower yeah. process I guess yeah. to work out what's going on and I also know where every hole every pole every slant every bin everything is on that park one road okay I can tell you where there's a dip you know the pattern all the way down yep I can tell you where there's dips there's, right. there's bits chunked out so many so many feet from it's because I feel with my feet and that's not something that you've done where you've gone out and actually like you know just written it down or something you have just picked it up because picked you have up. to yeah effectively wow. that's why I do it. and it's the on Saturday there there was a new flag outside the coffee cup mm-hmm. and it was a big green thing I don't know if it was a park run one or a coffee cup one it wouldn't Not, have been a park run one but it probably would have been yeah coffee cup one I was plodding towards it going my brain was going that's not normally there that's not normally there but my eyes couldn't pick up on it okay so I got to about two foot Yep. in front of it oh hello so quickly and then move. had to move okay. because it's not normally there mm, mm. so now my brain knows it's there probably won't be there next week yeah. or tomorrow I'm not running tomorrow because the dogs are at the vets um, I've got to readjust Okay. and then when you do that right okay and you've got to build that little bit of confidence back up again okay you nearly hit it but you didn't don't yep. worry about it it's gone forget about it yeah, yeah, move yeah. on okay. and that's where you've got to do it Wow, very fascinating stuff, Rich. Absolutely fascinating. Uh, I'm learning a lot here. <laughs> Just building this picture about how yeah. you how you manage and cope with your runs. It's, it's, it's really fascinating. It's a bit radar-y. Yeah, it's, it sounds I, like yeah, it. But yeah, you do radar. really well to uh, to get yeah. out there and run. But um, back to back to the timeline because it would be um, it's nice to kind of draw some yeah. kind of timeline. So we were in so 2005. You mm. were presented with Bates. Was yeah. that uh, my boy? You obviously knew Bates was coming, and uh... I had I'd done a bit of training with him. I had applied for him. I'd okay. gone through all the process and applied, and I became a yeah. He's okay for guide dogs. Okay, guide dogs are my charity. Really, <laughs> I love them to bits. They're fantastic. They gave me my independence. Right. And Bates came along to me a year. Uh, yeah, the first year we had him, we were due to fail our test. Bates and I just weren't getting on. It's a, it's a six week test first two weeks you're in in a hotel being trained and the first week I was told you're struggling to pass this test you two you're not clicking what wasn't what wasn't working was it we just uh, weren't working as a team I couldn't accept a dog was telling me what to do 
right. and where to go and when to stop and what to and all I just was like whoa this is amazing but my brain couldn't my stubbornness I think it okay. was my pride my all that sort of and the first week we, then I, we went home for that weekend and I sat on the floor with him and he just cuddled into me and snuggled up to me and I got to know him I slept on the floor with a Friday night Saturday night and a Sunday night with him really just right. to build that bond and yeah guide dogs do know um, so I'm not gonna, I fed him a bit of pizza <laughs> not supposed to not especially when you're in training P- pizza in a camp out yeah, camp out nice yeah. camp out. but I just went I've got to build this boy's trust with me and I've got to build it with him what's he going to like and I gave him the pizza and he's never had it before so he sniffed it and looked at it and looked at me as if to say am I allowed that go on big man okay. and he has so some it. proper bonding went on the there proper and, bonding yeah. went back on the Monday and we blew it out of the water okay. we did everything and at the end of the week Wayne Tarley who was my GDMI at the time just went what happened Oh. I went and got to know my dog I just sat I slept on the floor with him as I've just said to you I got to know my dog and I put every bit of trust in him fantastic he was known Bates was known in Ferrum because I, uh, he was known as Big Red okay but he was known to me as Bubba right um, very rarely called him Bates but he was always known <laughs> as Bubba brilliant did you um at, at this time uh, were you a member of any running clubs or any athletics clubs or anything like? I was I was involved with City of Portsmouth and I was running under a coach called Pete Williams at the time because starting in that sort of period of time coaches didn't know what to do with a blind athlete of course yeah. they didn't have a clue they yep. didn't know what to do and Pete Williams known as Bungie people will know him as Bungie when they listen to it. he just went you want to go running yeah join my group Cheers, straight Pete. in straight just in you he said I know you're visually impaired don't worry about it get in my group and he was more of a four and eight hundred. He did four hundred, didn't do he did one and two. So I was training with his group. Yep. And again, it wasn't to compete. It was for me just I can do this. Mm. I'm alright, I'm alright. Mm. But I'd um he was the coach, so it was a little bit of timeline I may have got wrong there. Two thousand and three was when I first competed at the British Mines Championships. The, sorry, the British Blind Championships. British, British Blind Championships. Yeah, one, okay. two, yeah. So it's like, that was held in Nuneaton. Wow, so all the blind okay. athletes across the country there we go and nobody ever heard of me didn't have a clue I'd just become a member of the British Blind Sports and I got put in you got different categories so you got a, in those days it was B1 B2 B3 Okay. but now they're known as T11s T12s and T13s does that match with the Olympic Paralympics okay, yeah right, gotcha. all the Paralympics now so it's T11 yep. T12 T13 um, in this country you still hear at B1 B2 B3 but it's on the track it's T11s T11s are totally blind are known as totals T12s are people with sight that can't be win on his blinkies. Okay. And T13s are called pretenders. Oh, really? <laughs> and then okay. there, is a, there, is a, there is a B4, we nicknamed them wannabes, because <laughs> only T11 to T13 okay. were recognised, T14s weren't recognised in, in Paralympics. Gotcha, okay. So a bit, so, a bit of humour there with the category. Humor, yeah, 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 yeah. Some of the, some of this stuff that happened in that world is unbe- it's just not repeatable. <laughs> um, stuff we called each other. But turned up to those games, and that was when I just about done a little bit on the track in 2003. So it's not something you've been building up to and, no, and aspiring to. It was an no, opportunity to go and race. It was an opportunity to go and race. Perfect. Cool. And I rocked up, and there was people like Dan Gordon there and Andy Curtis, big Olympic medalists. Really? Right, okay. And they were running in different categories to me. It's because I, well, I was in the newbie national championship section so there's a different section for okay. people that were getting into the sport and all that sort of stuff and I just got in my blocks booted them down stuck the blocks down went, yeah that'll look right, right. and everybody was setting their blocks up immaculately I was going 
that's kind of watching. Going, what are they You're doing? spending a bit of time. What's this all about? Yeah. Right. And then so I just looked down the track and went, oh, there's a finish line. Just about can't make it out, but it's down there somewhere. Mm-hmm. Got on my start blocks, and the gun went, and sort of like a scolded rabbit. <laughs> and I actually got to about sixty meters and looked around and went, "Oh, full started," because no one was there. Nobody was there. Right. And I was there. Was Dan Gordon was at the far end with his wife. I remember him on the finish line, and he says, "Move!" So I kept going and ran through the line and went, "Did I full start? No." <laughs> you want it? I want it. I went how? <laughs> And all these other boys came through the line, and I went, "Oh, well done, well done, yeah, congratulations, all that sort of stuff, all hugs and all that sort of stuff." And all I heard was one boys, "Where the, did he go?" <laughs> I didn't even know they didn't even know I was in front because I was moved that quick. That quick. Wow! And then that's when I went in with a tra- British training squad, and they picked on me straight away, coming with this, do this okay, training. So from there, from there, really kind of like, really okay. sort of went off. I was doing indoor training, we went wow. to indoor training events, everything like that. God, what an experience! Then. And I wasn't expecting it. I just and I and I did. Somebody was on the side. You run like a football player. I went. I am because I had. It was almost like a Happy Gilmore moment when he said he wasn't <laughs> a hockey player, he was a golf player. Yeah. It was almost that sort of moment. That's I an went, interesting well, analogy, actually. Yeah, yeah, I am yeah. a football player. I'm not a runner. I've never been a runner. I've just I was asked to come. Yeah. All right. So then went on said strong legs and yeah, strength. Good determination. So we went to all these training events and some of the people there, um, Andy Curtis. Dan Gordon um, Matt Cliff Chris Jenkins these were proper proper mm. runners and they were built like men I was a little weed of a boy <laughs> I was 21 I was like alright you got any muscles nah but you had so much potential but, yeah that's what yeah, they were yeah. looking at and we did all these 60 metre indoor races and they normally they have you sort of staggered in your start blocks so they have one at start all the top guns right at the 60 then you had some of the others at 50 then some 40 and all. so they just made it a bit more so you got something yeah. to chase and then somebody said, let's go all the big sprinters at the back. So, oh, this would be great to watch. Mm-hmm. So you saw Andy Curtis go in, you saw Dan Gordon, you saw Chris Jenkins, you saw the Rich. <laughs> yeah, right. No, come so on. And I went, no, they're Paralympians. I'm not to do with me. <laughs> I've refused. And I sat there and they went, Rich, get in line. I went, yeah, all right, fair enough. Do I start at the 40 or something? No, <laughs> get on the line. Fantastic. Uh, well. no, fair enough. And God knows where I finish. I want first, and want last. Yeah. But, but that's just they, that's just incredible, isn't it? Yeah. You've gone, yeah, you know, you've gone through all that all that struggle and yeah. everything, and you're having moments like that, which must just be such a contrast. And uh, funny thing is, I remember little, very little about the run on the day and everything like that. But I remember the pub that night. The banter was mm. unbelievable, and it made me go, "Yeah, I can do this. I'm a football player. I've got this all day long." Really? Okay. And it just started to bring me out of my shell again. Fantastic and I started nice. and I think they knew that because mm. they've all been through it and um, yeah it was really good that's where I went home that weekend after the British training and all that sort of stuff with a smile on my face mm. and I went I've got this you're, part, you're now part of something yeah. that's making sense and it's feeling yeah. good and yeah yeah this is I've got a yeah. chance here this is this is good I like this and it, that started building me again I became rich of the gang wow that's absolutely just incredible yeah now it wasn't your not, not to deviate off the yeah. running too much but that's not the first time you've taken part in a say in a, a championships because you've no. done national blind sailing championships yeah. as well I've raced boats all my life was that kind of like at the same time-ish or yeah well, or, I was, was, I was trying all sorts gosh okay I, I, I mean just, just quickly out of interest how did that um, come about I've raced boats all my life I'd raced boats from the age of dot whenever I was visiting 
my dad down in England because he's always been a dinghy racer mm-hmm. and he's always been raced boats and I had opportunities all the time then I moved when I was 15 so I joined Portshire Sailing Club learned mm-hmm. to sail raced wasn't hard wasn't amazing at it but I wasn't really bad at yeah, it yeah. and um, did okay got to decent levels raced around sailed lost my eyesight thought oh, I'd never sail again on my own and blind sailing popped up I, I can't believe somebody phoned me People just used to phone people in those days. There was none of this text, Facebook, all that sort of stuff. Well, now it's just all web pages yeah. you have to know exist. Yeah. 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 I used to get phone calls. Hello, I hear you're blind. Who told you? <laughs> Who are you? There's and how no, do you know I'm there blind? There was no GDPR back then. It was no, just it like wasn't. A... Yeah. Where'd yeah. you get my details from? Well, blind sports. Who gave them it? <laughs> no idea. <laughs> no, you've got to... oh, and so, do you find it coming up to, um, it was Plasmeni. Hmm. So we tried up to Plasmeni. I was on the train on my own, all my sailing kit didn't take a half half near because I'm a dinghy racer these were yachts these were like seven, 707 things these were 20 foot yachts and there's three of you in it mm. one side did two visually impaired so I'm like alright fair enough so got in got where's your um rain your sailing kit it's in that bag what is it it's a wetsuit we don't use wetsuits well I am I had one of these <laughs> it was like a winter suit so it was quite warm but it wasn't cold so I got into all that had a good fun with it flew around um, and <laughs> being a dinghy racer all my life I knew at work they didn't, mm. didn't realise what I knew so we'd done okay I can't remember I think I was racing with a lady called Vicky Sheen and Martin Moody okay. Martin Moody owns the Moody boat yards over in Hamble right. and um, we were racing we were doing alright and flying around no problems at all it was really good fun and for some unknown reason we won it you won it as well <laughs> we won it gosh yeah. we won it so it's yeah. time to build up a real kind of collection yeah, of silverware yeah started to bring things up and you didn't get yeah. silverware at the blind sports you just got sailing kit oh right okay so cool. I got bags and wetsuits and jackets and boots oh brilliant I love that there you go kids yeah, yeah. kids out for yeah, sure all handy brilliant okay so yeah amazing story just like incredible that you can do those two things yeah. like, because there was trials for the worlds down in New Zealand they did the trials weekend mm-hmm. it was down in Weymouth we're in J80s and we went down there and we were racing again I got matched up with Martin Moody again which was quite amusing because he was a bit of a top end he was a decent sailor and he was he was the tactician in the boat he couldn't touch anything but he could keep you safe on a boat but he'd push the limits and I liked that in a boat Yeah. and we got T-boned oh <laughs> another boat. No, well, we were sat there still no problems at all we weren't moving another boat was just trundling and I kept saying to him Martin that boat's getting closer so right, I've got it I know where it is Martin that boat's getting closer. He's got, he's got his sight. He's fully sighted. Okay. He was do, busy working, doing other so stuff. I, I, so, I see the humour in that right? completely. Well, yeah. <laughs> Martin, that boat's getting really close, Martin. I'm going to turn now. He said, you can't turn. You'll be, whoa, straight Bang. in the side. And I went, who's the blind one in the boat? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we, we didn't do very well. But I got, I was reserved for the worlds. I got reserved. So if anybody pulled out of the, the sailing team of the reserve for the worlds, I was you off to New Zealand. Okay. But that was at the point when my kidneys failed. And that's the, yeah. So that's so now. This is two thousand and six, and this is what I want to touch on now. So you obviously, this yeah. is another serious setback that you've that you suffered. T- 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 serious, t- 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 serious is quite a light word for it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, no words to describe it really. No. So, yeah. So what happened? Um, in 2006? So it was December two thousand and five, and I was at I was at my family's for Christmas, and my dad gets looking at me and saying, "You don't look well, son." Oh, I've had a bit of a cold. I'm all right, Dad. I'm fine, you know. And um, he said, "Well." Go see GP. So I went to see and saw the same GP that was backed me for my site, everything like that. And he yeah. took bloods and he went, nah, let's just get you up to renal. So it's normally about a three month waiting list for renal. I was up there the following day. Yeah. Straight in, they took the amount of blood they took out of me, I thought it was going to fall over. I asked for some of it back because I required it. Um, <laughs> and the doctor, Dr. Armand, 
came in literally late. He said, you've got kidney failure. They're done. Really? And I went, why? He said, they're done. Oh, okay. Again, I... to do with the diabetes? Diabetes again. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I was a bad teenager from about the age of 15 to 18. I wanted to be like my mates. Okay. And I was rebelling and doing all sorts against it. And I'm big enough and ugly enough to go, yeah, it was my fault. It was. Oh, my really? Fault. So that was an effect of that was uh, me. Yep. some bad choices earlier on? Bad choices in my life. At the time, I didn't admit it. Why? It was me. It was nobody else's fault. It was okay. my fault. Was that was that drinking by any chance? No, that, that was not putting enough insulin in, not doing uh, enough. Okay, right. I did I, I did go out to the boys and stuff to drink, but I wasn't I wasn't an alky or anything. I wasn't a heavy drinker. Okay. But I'd used to have every so often a couple of sessions okay. and it wasn't good. So but um So you were, so, so you were, you were in, in the hospital. In then. the hospital sat and you went, Okay, you've renal failure. It's done. You're gonna to have to go on the transplant list. Alright, fair enough. Whew. Okay. And, and, and obviously you weren't expecting that at all not at all just out of the blue out of the blue totally out of the blue because I was still weeing because normally when you have kidney mm. failure you don't, you don't go you don't go away yeah, yeah. Um, and I weed the whole way through okay. and he said don't know how but he said brilliant that you are um, so he said okay we'll get and then things just happened I was in surgery I was, this was mid-January I was in surgery mid-February uh, early February mm-hmm. having a fistula put onto my arm which is a direct link to my heart Okay. so it's that they build an artery in your arm Mm-hmm. and it connects straight to your heart so so you can be plugged into dialysis right and so I started dialysis um, you had to give it three months to settle so and I kept putting it off I said I'm alright I'm feeling fine I'm okay I'm okay but my creatinine was building up which is a byproduct of muscle okay. where I was still trying to be fit and healthy my, mm-hmm. my, my muscles were producing so much creatinine yeah. they were scared I was going to have a heart attack right so I had to sit there and go okay and then one day I just went can't do it anymore I felt so ill I went okay so this was late May okay. early mid May late May so two to three months after the yeah uh, yep. and then I went in check up on my birthday 4th of June 2006 mm-hmm. I went in sat in front of Dr. Ramond a lot of people didn't like Dr. Ramond because he said it as it was he said it how it came and he said it and I liked that Okay. You just I, wanted I, to be I wanted the yep. facts I wanted the truth and I wanted to know what was going on and he said, you can't run, you can't do sport, you can't do anything anymore. I went, why not? He says, because you're getting put on the critical list. Okay. And I went, why? He said, because if you don't have a transplant by August, you ain't going to be here anymore. Wow, right, just just plain like that, straight just up. Yeah. He said, then here's the reasons why. That is pretty why. straightforward, yeah. And here's the reasons why. He said, your heart rate when you're on dialysis is going to 170. Mm-hmm. He said, when you come off of dialysis, your heart's trying to slow down but it doesn't want to, it's going through 200. Mm. He said your um, brain isn't quite dealing with the blood that's going through the system because of the way it's going on. It's dialysis is killing you. But if we stop you on dialysis, you'll die. Yep. So we've got to manage it. I went, okay, fair enough. So I got put on the critical list with basically three months to live. Okay. That was in 2006. And it was... <laughs> I can't remember how I got home that day. Because right. normally you get transport when you're on dialysis because you're in such a bad way. They give you transport. They pick you up. They take you here. They take you do everything you want. You say, and I just said to him, I went, no, I'm going on my own today. I just wandered down to the train station, went home, phoned my dad. Hadn't told anybody. Phoned my dad. Told my dad what's going on. Told my mum. And um, yeah, it's still quite touching now to yeah, talk about. It's I quite a hard it, thing yeah, to talk about because I've been through it and. I mean, obviously, I, they, they were devastated as well by the news. Oh, were, yeah. yeah. Um, and 
I required a kidney and a pancreas because they thought we'll cure the diabetes at the same time. So I had a kidney pancreas and it's horrendous. The surgery is horrendous to recover from. It's one of the hardest ones to recover from. Heart transplants, really difficult to recover from as well. But you have from your groin all the way up to your lower chest plate opened. Mm -hmm. The whole stomach is opened. So it's a lot of stitching, a lot of everything. But, um, But leading up to that, I was in that hospital like a yo-yo mm. while still working. Okay. Work were brilliant. In the end, we realized I couldn't do days after dialysis. So I, I, I used to dialyze on a Monday night, Wednesday night, and a, Friday, um, a Saturday morning. So Tuesdays, I was, I was always in Tuesday afternoon and then Thursday afternoon, but I could work all day Monday, all day Wednesday, all day yeah. Friday. Yeah. And then the weekend did dialysis and slept. Um. So going through dialysis, and then the phone call on the 26th of July, 2006. I'd just dialysed the night before, so mm-hmm. it must have been a Friday. It must have been a Wednesday morning, because I dialysed, no, Tuesday morning, because I dialysed on the Monday night. Yeah. And um, I got a phone call, and I remember it still was quite funny, because I dialysed the night before, so I was really tired the following day. Yeah. Absolutely in bits. Um, it's like, it gives you the same symptoms as chemotherapy, apparently, dialysation. Um and I picked the phone up at about five o'clock in the morning. Is that Mr. Two's? Yeah, this better be good. <laughs> five o'clock in the morning. It's yeah. the renal consultant up at Oxford Surgery, up at um, Job Radcliffe. Um, are you awake? No. Kind of. <laughs> what? Who, what? And she went, we have your transplant. We have a donor. We want you up here by this time. I think it was something like half seven, seven o'clock. Oh, so that day, that there. same day, straight away. Boom. Yeah. And I went, yeah. I literally put the phone down and went back to sleep. Oh, right. I just went, boom. Right, phone rang again. You went back to sleep, didn't you? How do you know that? You got a camera in it? No, it's what all dialysis patients done for the night before. She just sat on the phone. Richard, get up. Oh, really? On the phone. Get up. And get here. Get up. So they obviously know and they're used, yeah. to, they're used to that. Yeah. Okay. She just stayed on the phone. Get up. And then my other house phone was ringing. I went, my other phone's ringing. Yes, it's us. We're annoying you. Okay. Get up. And get in, yeah, right. Get up, and I went, yeah, all right. So I got up. Big, big Batesy sat at the end of the bed, looking at me, going, "Why are we up?" Mm. Big guide dog sat there. So I looked at him and went, "All right, mate, let's get up." So I phoned my dad. Exact same response to me. What the hell are you doing, calling me this time of day? Yeah, it better be good, yeah. Dad got a transplant. I'm on my way. Phone was down. That's all I heard. Okay. Heard the car picking up in the car park. Right. Hi, dad. In the car, Oxford. Um. I was still shaking talking about it. Yeah, I bet. I've never actually opened up, talked about this. Yeah, in, it, in it a might big be worth thing. mentioning that, that you've yeah, never, you've I'm never spoken about never this. Never spoken about this in one before. Mm. All like my blindness, diabetes, everything. Never yeah, ever yeah. before. I was chatting to my dad about it before earlier as well, and he said you've never done this. And um, so got up to Oxford, and there was two other people who were backups, which I now know to me if I was ill. So I sat down, and then just doctors started appearing bloods and gallons and loads like trays and trays of my blood vials and all sorts and I'm going alright fair enough so I sat there and then the two other boys were sent away and they both walked away to me and he says good luck son I'm like well I hadn't been told yet this is my transplant this could have been still theirs and the other like and the doctor looked at me and smiled he went it's always been yours you're the one because you're on the critical list this is your organs these are yours wow and at that point I just went quiet and my dad walked back in he was outside parking yeah. the car he, he, he needed his time and he walked back and I looked at him and went dad it's mine he went really 
I went, yeah, it's mine. Gee, and he went, okay. Um, and we went, did it. They did loads. Mm. I still have never understood it. They kept telling me to go toilet, non-stop up to surgery. Mm. Why? Why? Well, I found it afterwards because your stomach just. <laughs> just yeah, right. Jesus. Yeah, when they give, well, afterwards is not pleasant. <laughs> really, isn't pleasant. It's all these little things you don't know. Uh, and then afterwards, you go. Oh, that's why they made me go. Um, so I went over, and it's the first time ever I've seen my dad cry. Really? And I've never seen him do it since. He's going to listen to this. That's going to really embarrass him. But <laughs> he was. He showed, and and I went went over surgery. Went over to the surgery, and I was sat there waiting, and um, I went through to um, the, the, I was dating. I was engaged to a girl at the time. Um, funny enough, she was called Claire as well. And she was. She screeched in. She just appeared from. She was up in Loughborough at the time. That's where yep. I met her. So she'd flown, and she was in the area. God knows how she got in there because it was for patients and doctors only. And I walked in there. She was sat. I went, how do you do that? She was just <laughs> sat there. And when she went, I just worked my way in. All right, fair enough. So we sat chatting. And she went, how are you still doing it? I said, what do you mean? I went, you're still making jokes. You're still laughing. You're still cracking people up. And I said, if I don't, I'm going to cry. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's massively yeah. emotional. Yeah. It's just so quick and sudden. Yeah. And, and so they came, right, Rich. But the funny thing is, I saw my transplanted organs going in, in the boxes. The two yellow boxes went past the kidney uh, and the pancreas. And I went, they're mine. They're going to be inside me. They're, so, gonna, yeah. they're mine. And I went in and I had fantastic doctors. So, um, Anil Vader, what a surgeon he was. Mm, and mm. he got all, he's still one of the best out there doing the transplants that I've had, the kidney pancreas. Yeah. Only certain surgeries do it. Yeah, yeah. Right. And um, just the cat. Yeah, <laughs> the cat's the cat. scratching at the door, but it yeah, can't come in. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I was, we went in and it went on the, uh, it's really weird. You walk into your surgery so I walked in I've got all these tubes all these cannulas and all sorts mm. all in plugged down my arm and they were starting to put one in my neck into my main artery and all sorts when I first when I was they finished that off when I was lying on the bed so they plugged all that in I felt I was I don't know why but they'd obviously numbed everything because they were stitching me up when I was awake Okay. And they put all these things in my neck so they can attach all these tubes to and I was having tubes all sorts of them and well, it must have been so much fear and, and it was fear and I was shaking and I was just sitting there and then Anil Vadir turned up and there's a face I knew okay. and I went oh, God you're here and he said oh, how are you doing Rich so they rolled me up and they did everything they had to do get me all put me into surgery and I woke up in intensive care 12 hours later oh, massive operation. surgery was 12 hours wow. um, and yeah my, my parents were always kept up to date all that sort of stuff and my grand was there as well so it was really nice and then I woke up and apparently God knows why, but we've worked out, out since. Mm -hmm. At the time, all I kept saying was Louise. Okay. Non-stop. Not yep. dating Louise. Yep. But my best mate's called Louise. Okay. I just kept saying Louise. Louise. So all I'd say when I first woke up, and, and my girlfriend at the time, my mum, my dad are going, Louise. Who's Louise? What's Louise all about? Louise. And then my girlfriend at the time, Claire, she just said, she went, Bates is all right. Because Louise had picked Bates up to have Bates. Oh. My guide dog. Okay, so that makes sense. So right. all I was doing was going, Ba um, Louise, Bates, okay. Louise. Yeah, yeah. and she tried to get to where and she, eventually she apparently she worked out when she went for coffee okay. and then came back and yeah he's fine so I was lying there and tubes I mean tubes everywhere mm. we're talking bionic man here where I've got tubes nose mouth throat neck every, all the physicians I didn't realise you could even put tubes in right yeah everywhere and 
and I woke up and the parents <laughs> said, what was the primary school last night, Dad? <laughs> and he said, that was all you said. There were the two things you said. Was Bates all right? Do you remember saying that or not? Yeah, yeah just yeah, about. Yeah. And what was the Pompey school last night, Dad? Yeah. And that was it. Okay. And he goes, how do you remember they were playing? I went back to sleep. Yeah. I still don't know what the school was. can't remember. I don't think he told me. Well, he did. I just can't remember it. No matter what yeah, yeah, I was yeah. on. So got through all that. Trundled all that. They said, after I had all my transplant, um, we'll give you about... Transplants normally say... First year is a vital one. Five years, ten years is probably the max for kidney pancreas transplant. They said, medicine's always getting better though. I went, all right, cool. I'll live with that. Okay. Um, came out, they said, give yourself six months to recover. Back to work in six months. I was back to work in three. Three, wow, okay. I was so back in the three. Time, half the time, I was back in work. I was back running in the January. So still S- under the six months. Under the six months, wow. And I was my consultants, Dr. Ram, were just trying to hold me back. Okay, they were just, just slow to, down, to get slow down, track. slow yeah. down. Yeah. I just wanted to get going again. So I got back on the track and I was bored on the track for once. So I entered the British Blind Sports Pentathlon. Okay. Ah, oh, it's different. Why not? My coach, have you ever thrown a javelin? No. You had a long jump? No. You ever thrown a discus? No. All right. So I went up. Yeah. <laughs> Bloody won it. Really? <laughs> God. Again. I won it again. So I just walked up. And he just said, how'd you do it? I said, well, I just lobbed it. Yeah. And it landed the way it should do it. I don't know how, it was just something something yeah. I could do. Okay. And and then we had to do, we did the 1500 meter in the last event of mm-hmm. the pentathlon. All I had to do was finish it. I didn't have to place. Okay. About two minutes behind everybody else had finished, just plodding around. Really? <laughs> dum de dum de dum And could you, and did, were you fine? Did your body feel okay? Body after, felt, after the... it was tired. Okay. It was it was almost just getting to a point where I wanted to quit mm. I knew I couldn't push and I was always had that wary in the back of my head I can't push hard at the moment I can't push hard I can't do and I couldn't really train for it I could go for little jogs I can go for little runs I'd not been in top ends I didn't even win the 100 Okay. but I seemed to win other little ones that seemed to shove me up so your I didn't, points yeah. I didn't even win the 100 no, I didn't even get oh, I think I was about third or something I was not in top end speed because I was scared of putting myself in yeah. that position yeah. Can I also ask, like, so so you're competing in in the blind yeah. in, in blind championships, yeah. but you've now undergone a transplant as well. So how does that work with the t- with having having been through those two things? Together? You can't. I can't compete at international level in the blind world because of my transplant tablets. I just can't do it because of drugs and you're not allowed them in your system. And oh, really? Is that, yeah. is that like performance enhancing? And they're not performance enhancing. Or? If anything, they're performance dehancing the tablets I'm on. Okay. Um, but it's just something you can't quite get. Okay. Uh, fair enough. It's one yeah, of those yeah. So I compete in the transplant world as any blind athlete. Is it WADAC who have those who mm. have those rules? Yeah, they, they have tried. They can. They are, there was a rumor a while back they were considering transplant patients being at the Paralympics, and then all, a lot of us said, "Well, we're not disabled. True. We're not." That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not. Yeah. So we've got our own games, which is like as big as the Commonwealth Games in Britain it's the British Transplant Games are as big as the Commonwealth Games mm, massive mm. event and then you've got the Worlds okay so six months later you're back you're back training you're back yeah. performing and obviously the transplant's gone fine you're having yeah. tests regularly and um, every, every month it was a start off every week okay twice a week and then it was once every week mm. and then once every fortnight and then once twice every month and yeah. it was just and now it's once every three four months I had mine on Tuesday there 
perfect. Okay, no issues good. at all. Really good. Nearly, yeah. nearly fourteen years now. So. Yeah. And was the was the athletics like pretty crucial in getting you back? Yeah. Kind of like it, in, your, in your mind and stuff it, as well. Was it? In my mind, but also they say sport is heavily pushed in the transplant world because they know it's vital to yeah. health. Um, but it's brilliant. I, it helps me. It keeps me mentally sound. But mm. my transplant, my transplant donor. Um, this will be the first time I'm actually saying this out loud to people. I've said it to my wife and a few family members. Is I know he was 35 year old. I know he's old, and I know from what I remember he was military, and he okay. was home on leave, and he was up a ladder and fell off while clearing the gutter, caused head injuries. Oh my gosh! Right. Um, so I don't. I never grieved him. I never. But he's my best mate. I never met, mm. and that's the way I look at him. I always view him in a positive way. Yeah. And um, you never had any contact with with family. It's or? something that I'm discussing at the moment. A lot of okay. people are starting to do so. Um, I did send my first transplant medal to the family. Wow! Um, I, I sent the very first one I won in an envelope. Sorry, it wasn't gold, but we did our best. Rich, that's that's incredible. That's the first medal I sent to. I sent yeah. that to them. So I'm one missing at my little collection, but but you don't, don't know do you, you don't know the family, so it's no. You, how, um, how did you how did you get that middle to them? Via the hospitals, you send it through the link. Right. There's a chain you can okay. go through. So I, I don't know how the chain works, but it goes to Oxford and Oxford to send it somewhere else, and then they send it on, and then it gets passed on, and you just get told it's arrived. And that's all you get done. What a what a special thing to do. That must have yeah. meant a lot to you, and hopefully a lot to the family as um, well. I hope so. Yeah, because I've never heard anything back from them, but I don't expect to. But I am in this right now because it's 15 years next year, 2021. It's my 15th year anniversary, and I am going to write another letter. Okay. Just to say, this is what you helped me do. Yeah. Um, so, and you haven't had to have that contact, but it's nice just to kind of send. I mean, yeah. I, 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 I can't speak for them on behalf. Of you mm. probably think about how often, yeah. how they're receiving that, yeah. but I think it's I think it's a really nice mm. kind of sentimental I, thing to do. I'm always no. I I've always looked at we. It was always me, my transplanted donor, and my guide dog. Mm-hmm. And it's a team effort. Yeah. So my guide dog helps me get onto the track, even though he's not running, or she's running now. Yeah. It gets me there. Gets me to the athletics track. Makes me want to do what I do. Mm. And then my transplanted uh, my my donor, um, makes me he lets me do it. Brilliant. Gosh, definitely a team, definitely a team effort. Definitely a team effort. I really, yeah. I really appreciate you sharing those things. Yeah. I know it's it's hard. Yeah, it's almost got me in the throat. I know it's hard. It's hard <sighs> thinking about and talking about, but yeah, mm. I think everyone out there listening will will really find that amazing. I'm doing all right though for a bloke who died in 2006. That yeah, 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 not bad. <laughs> yeah, and a few times I think yeah. before that as well. Yeah. So. Gosh, so Rich, I'm on the, on our timeline. Yeah. 2009, you went across and competed for Great Britain. Yes, I went um, to the World, World Transplant Games. World Transplant Games in Australia. It was Gold, a Gold Coast. Gold Coast. Cool. Fantastic opportunity. Again, I was I was classed as an inexperienced runner. Um, I was still doing. I was at the time. I was still copying what other people were doing and why they were doing this and not. But, so just looking at all every yeah, training routines, and but I I got a new coach, okay. a gentleman called Orion Young. Yep. A lot of the runners out there will know the name Orion Young. Unfortunately, he passed away a couple of years back, and um, again I was struggling to find a coach because of being visually impaired. They didn't know what to do. Pete, my coach, he wasn't really coaching anymore, and Orion had seen me on the track. He says, "Come train with me." All right, yeah, all right. So this is a lead up to the worlds, and this was in two thousand and eight. So, well, no, fair enough. And it was like a scene out of the Karate Kid to start with. Because right. he didn't have me running. 
nothing. I had a scarf around my neck, uh-huh. my, just walking round the track with my arms and my legs moving so the scarf wouldn't let my arms go out of the position he wanted me to be in. Even though you'd done all the track work yeah, before and stuff. His technique is renowned. This okay. this, this cut orange, this, he, said te- he said to me straight away, you've got no technique. Well, said, we, we can make you faster. Yeah, basically. Yeah. And um, he basically said, this is how I do it. Um, okay, fair enough. And I was getting so fed up week after a couple of weeks, or three times a week, just mm. doing this. He said, right, now we're going to run. I went, all right, with the scarf. I hate <laughs> this scarf. <laughs> it, is very mu- it is very much like a Mr. Miyagi story. Yeah, isn't well, it? what's this all about? So I was running around the track with his scarf. Yeah. And he said, right, now give me the scarf. And he said, if you hold the position, you won't have your scarf back. If you don't hold the position, the scarf's coming back. Okay. All right, fair enough. And Trust the process? Trust the process. <laughs> scarf came back, didn't it? Because I just couldn't... But it was memory. Eventually, it stuck. Okay. And, yeah, it worked. I get why he did it. And mm. he trained a little bit different. And you couldn't get anything past him. But what I did learn about Irene was, he was almost like my, somebody I could go and talk to about anything. And I nicknamed him Yoda. <laughs> because he's a Caribbean dude yep. fantastic runner in his day look that, look him up he's amazing okay. Commonwealth. he's do, one yeah. fastest man on grass on the grass tracks he was an amazing amazing runner so much respect for the man and he just was he, was he living over here is he's over here yeah so, he, yep. he was City of Portsmouth he worked at okay. City of Portsmouth track okay. and um, everybody knew him and I, what I didn't realise was he was a board member on the transplant sports games Right. Okay. He was heavily involved with all of that. He, I think he was original setup of it all when, ah, uh, because the transplant games used to be in Portsmouth and that's where they started on the common. That's interesting. Portsmouth transplant, the game started on the common in Portsmouth. Gosh, I didn't know that. Sure. Yep, that's where they started. And I cannot, it's, oh, my mate's going to riddle through me. I can't remember the man that did it. It will probably come to me during this. But he set it all up so to show fitness with transplant patients. Okay. Um, so we did, Orion, he had me on wheel training, he had me on the track technique 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 mm-hmm. went to the British Championships which were just before the Worlds and all he said to me was enjoy it and he'd never said that to me before and I went okay get in the blocks relax so I got in the blocks I pushed off my blocks shot out behind me <laughs> they weren't pinned in the, in oh, the no. okay. they just vanished so no oomph. so, so it got um, restart uh, okay. yeah. uh, fair enough so then again got in the start blocks I was alright I was nothing bothered me and this was this was about two three weeks before we flew to uh, um, Australia and so I slammed out the block and looked up and everybody was in front of me and I went oh man and I worked my way back through worked my way back through worked my way through and a bloke called Paul Brennan got me on the line alright he hadn't been selected for the Worlds okay I got selected and I went Paul beat me how did Paul beat me Paul's a great athlete. No, he should have beaten me. Yeah, Paul should have beaten me. And I went over to him and he said, it's all right, we'll get him in the two. <laughs> That's all he said. It's all right, we'll get him in Which the two. Which was going to be later that day. Later that day. It's yeah, all right, yeah. we'll get him in the two. And it was a closer race. He still got me. Um, okay. But then Ori and I were sitting chatting, waiting for the relay. And because uh, I was running for Portsmouth in the relay squad. And um, he said to me, he said, we need to shut your eyes. Mm-hmm. What do you mean you need to shut my eyes? I need them to see. I said, no, you don't we need to shut them we'll be working on this in training when we get back from here okay and what do you mean he said I think they're getting in the way that's interesting okay and I went okay well, that's in. yeah I went I'm oh, keen well, to see where this yeah, goes yeah alright okay. okay 
he said, I think you just try and scan too much with them. And he went into so much depth. I went, all right, fair enough. So did the relay. We did all right. I think we got, we got to the final. Um, yeah, we did all right in that one. Um, we've done a lot better since in the games, but that was still quite a rusty little team we had then. Um, so we went back training, back on the track, back in Portsmouth. So we're talking now 10 days to go to we go to the Worlds, and he's still adjusting stuff for my runs. Okay. And he said, right, when you get to 60, shut your eyes. Okay, when you get to 60 meters, shut down, shut your eyes down. So I do. He said, rely on your technique. Okay. All right, all right fair enough. He said, because you can run in a straight line, which is really difficult for vision impaired. I was going to say, like, yeah, that's, that's really, really, you wanna... really, really difficult. He said, rely on your technique. Mm. Right, okay. First time I did it, absolutely proved myself. Because <laughs> yeah. I was at top end, flat out. No. And he said, right, we've got to do it, Richard. All okay. right, so I did it and did it and did it. And apparently my technique comes into its own and I run smoother. Really? And I don't okay. become choppy. He said, we can't just shut it down any sooner. He said, because of the phase you're coming out of, you're coming out of your drive phase, your um, float phase, you're mm. going forward. He said, we can't really do it any sooner because you need visual aspects to do okay. that because you're running on your own, not with a guide. Yeah. Oh, fair enough, okay. And did it. And he said, right, let's do the two. How can I do the two with no eyesight? There's a bend involved. I was going to say, yeah, yeah. Trust you, trust you running. Trust you running. Okay, so the first couple of times I waved out the lane. And he said, I want you shutting it down now on the bend. Okay. Because when you come off that bend, you've got to look down. You personally, I've got to look down because I've got to know where the track is. Other runners don't do that. Mm-hmm. They trust. He says, so shut your eyes as you come to the 100 meter crossing section. And sorry, just back there, other runners don't have to do that because they're running- They're running visually in front. Then they've got eyesight. And they've got eyesight. So and they yeah. can see in front. I can't see the bend. Mm. So it's worth mentioning as well, at the mm. games later on, you were going to be the only- I'm the only blind athlete there. Gosh, okay. Only registered blind athlete there. Incred- so, incredible, sorry, back, back so to the story. Yeah, so I had to do all that, round the, close that eyesight, close it, just trust your bend, trust your bend. And now I've got a, I've got a ridiculously good bend. Okay. Because I don't shut my eyes anymore. I just I've learned to turn them off. Okay. So, so I don't listen them. to them. Mm. Um, but what I have learned in later with my eyesight now is, about the last twenty meters, my eyesight shuts down on its own because the pressure builds up in the eyes. Right. Yeah. Puts pressure on the retina, and the retina goes, "See ya." Yeah. You do hear some funny stories about eyesight going, even mm. long long distance endurance races. Dean Canazi. So Dean. Dean Canazis. Canazis yeah, yeah. when he did the um, Western. Yep, well, Courtney DeWalter when she did the um, yeah. the Moab two forty as well, yeah. she, she lost, and they talk about tunnel vision and stuff. So I mm. guess you're, you're, you're under your body's under so much strain yeah. that you're right. Yeah, I mean parts of your body end up shutting down almost. Mm. Like. <laughs> yeah, it's like for example, some of all your other runners, um, including now Image, they're all head cases doing these ultras and marathons. Mm. I'm a little track runner. <laughs> I go, I go four hundred well, meters and think that's a distance. <laughs> you say a little track runner, but it's um, it's condensed, isn't it? Yeah. It's condensed yeah, it effort. Yeah. It is. It's. It, it, I was not because I was small at school. I wasn't at end of pocket bucket because I was quite small. Yeah, but as I've said, my, when I get so we went to Australia. And there's a photo I've been trying to dig it out for you. I'll, I'll, if I can in the future, oh, please, I'll dig it out it. for you. Um, so I sent you the one of me full flight. Yes, but there's a picture at the start line of all these six foot two, six foot three sprinters in the hundred meters, and then there's me, five foot ten. Find that photo, definitely. Hello, mate. <laughs> I'm sat in the middle of it. Go all right. I'm literally my dad goes that's brilliant that is he calls me every short he, he claims I'm short than my sister I don't think I am but I might be we're the same height but it's just I'm just stood in the middle I didn't yeah. even know the photo has been taken I'm just stood there looking around there's all these runners up here mm. and um, so we got so when we got to Australia I was still on it was obviously 12 different at night time got there it was stifling hot 
Hmm. Um, I think the day of the tra- we got there track, we went on the training track, everything like that, and the training track was solid. Yeah. So I, co- I text Orion. He just called me back. Time's over there. Oh, I'm up anyway. It's two in the morning. So I was having a chat with him. He said, "Don't wear your spikes on the on the training track. Just don't wear them." Okay. And he said because it will put struggle for you. And I was messing around. I was doing something. I can't remember what I was doing. I think it was a bit of start block practice. And I felt a little twinge in my hip flexor. Okay. So I went, right, go see the physio. So I went to the GP physio. She went, yeah, you just, it's nothing major. Just be aware of it. Mm-hmm. She said, we'll ice it. We'll, pack, we'll make sure. And that's Alison blocks them. She gets fed up with me being injured on, on the GB squad for a period of time. I just got injured continuously. So I right, so in the, before the races and before the training, I always find this bit entertaining. The Americans are really interesting people on the track. Okay. Lovely, fantastic people. I was sat there with a few of the other boys before, before the day before I think it was and we were all sat on the official track and we were all just sitting in the shade and America hi all how are you doing all that sort of stuff yeah, alright mate those things well, he said well I'm in the same age category as me at the time it was 30 to 39 oh no right. he said yeah I'm running 11 seconds 11 ones at the moment alright me being me congratulations yeah <laughs> well done <laughs> good for you and the other boys were in different age categories and they could see me just blanking them I was being polite to him, but I wasn't giving him any of my information at all. Yeah. So who's in this? I said, ah, oh, yeah, that'll be me. Yeah, you're right. So what times are you running? Yeah, I can get down the track. So what sort of times you did? Ah, oh, you know, 12 and a half, 13 seconds. It wasn't, I was just giving him any information he wanted. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, on you go. Yeah. <laughs> oh, right, yeah. Oh, oh good luck. Yeah, you, you, you should get in the first round with that. Yeah, 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 you know. And um, he was in my heat. And I remember getting in there, and so it was. It was a hard race, and so I got into the start blocks. But the Americans beforehand were trying to get in your face. Okay. Trying so to get mind games. Yeah, all well, that sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah. And Orion had taught me something really, really clever. Don't give them anything. Mm. But soon, right? The rules are when you're in the start blocks, you're allowed to say something on the. But as soon as they say it on your marks, you silence. You're not yeah. allowed to say a thing. Makes sense. So I was watching the people the starting person just moved to where they had to move to so at the last second I went how's everybody feeling just to throw that because <laughs> then it makes people start going how am I feeling am I alright yeah I might be alright yeah I'm all... and I'm sitting there going just right? giggling to yourself yeah yeah that's quite entertaining <laughs> little giggle going oh, that works are we? dirty quite like. tactics yeah rich. <laughs> oh, they're, they're giving it out they're doing it all before in different ways but I, like, yeah, I quite like that so got in the start but I remember, remember in the start and goes all quiet stadiums all packed and and um, oh, okay and I got in the, and I've got this habit of getting nervous and I start being sick okay and I wasn't on that day I just wasn't so I got in the start blocks right, I've got this I've trained hard I've done well I've done everything I well. I've bulked up majorly I've never been as fit in my life as I've ever been mm-hmm. I thought right, I've got this exploded out of the blocks I thought yes you're not coming past me got to the I think done right. Got to, got to a couple of stage. I got semi final final. I got to, and um, the American boy deservedly won it. The one that was bragging, he won it. He, yeah, fair play to him. He was gone. But I was dipping for the line. I was in about third. I thought oh, I got. I, 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 it was bronze at the time, but I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. I got out dipped by this six foot, God knows how tall bloke, and he just out dipped me. Oh. And I looked around and went. Where the fuck did he dip from? <laughs> he, wasn't, he wasn't there and he leaned and I went, where's he coming from? He just appeared. Yeah, yeah. And I went, ah. Oh, so that, that put you in fourth? Ah, oh, cracky. Fourth. I went, yeah, all right. So I plotted Gut-wrenching position. Gut-wrenching, but yeah. Barry Loverick, the 
a, um, athletic, one of the athletic, he's a part of the management team, but he came mm. over and he looked at me and went, you've done well. Mm. You've done really well. It's a fast run. Oh, yeah, okay, okay. Just wasn't interested. Yeah, yeah. So I went back to the room. All the boys was were there. Was that the 100 or the 200? 100. Sorry. It was 100, okay. Um, the 200 is an interesting story. I deserve to finish where I did. Um, but that was that, you know. It was my. Yeah. I was. I wasn't an experienced athlete. I mm. was training in a different way. I was still learning the ropes, and I hate using it. But people keep telling me, "Well, you're only blind athlete. You're the fastest blind athlete there." Mm, don't care. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, I mean you're competing. You're <laughs> yeah, still competing I'm, against I'm, the other yeah, athletes. Yeah, I'm still. Yeah. Um, okay, so two hundred come around, and we're around the, and I'd stay quiet, and all the boys in the hotel, we, all, we had like three of us in a room and that sort of stuff. We'd gone back to the two hundred the following day. So um, I got my start blocks and I went, right, do what Orion told you to do. So, okay, so, but for some unknown reason, I got out at 50 meters. My body just turned off. I started uh, right. thinking about, what am I on for dinner tonight? Really? Oh, I, I was like, what is going on, Rich? Just pack this in. I was having a full blown conversation in my head. Was it just the pressure of being at the World Champs or something? Was it? No idea. Okay. Not right. a clue. Okay. I was thinking, what am I on for dinner tonight? That little restaurant looked nice. And then my brain just clicked back in and went, what the hell are you doing? You're in a race. Uh, you're running. Champs. You're, you're doing all right. You're still on the field there. Get on with it. So I picked up and I think I got the semis in that one. I didn't quite make the final. And the same Czech boy di- oh, dipped me okay. in the semi-finals to knock me out. Wow. Okay. And I looked at him later. I went and I hugged him. I hugged him. <laughs> I went, yeah, you deserve it, fella. Fair play. So that was, again, I learned learning my trade. Mm. Mm. And then, what a great experience though to, to mm, go to the world I mean the one that probably remembers is a 4x4 I got in the 4x4 B team and so on the start line there was walls lined up my mate was out doing this I was on the third leg so my mate was out on the he was running into me and the rule was if you're handing to Richard start going rich 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 so I can get my place Okay. and the American boy we had a British boy next to me then me because the first A team was in first we were in second then you had the Polish good story about him in a minute and the other boy next to me yeah. but the Polish boy wanted to be where I was and he was like a man yeah. he was huge and I was getting stepped on I was getting shoved I was getting elbowed because you're trying to get your baton back yeah. so I was there ducking elbows and all sorts yeah. and all I could hear was Steve coming in rich 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 oh <laughs> yeah. so I just put my spikes on his toes made him move <laughs> out of the way mate yeah. took the baton he took his at the same time Going round, I thought, don't be stupid. Don't go around the outside on the first hundred and the four. Just try and... But I was stuck, so I had to cruise on the outside. So coming down the back straight, I was tucked in behind him. Coming around the last 150, my hip flexor blew right. in a major, major way. It made a noise. It done everything. I had tears with the pain running down my eyes. Bagpipers started. Oh, the Aussie really? bagpipers were kicking off. Guess what they were playing? My song, Flower Scotland. Yeah. And I went, I can't stop on this song. God, what a moment. <laughs> right? So I was powering through. I had the physio on the side on the hundreds saying, Rich, pull up, pull up. Mm. Not pulling up, not pulling up. Just kept going, kept going. Gave the baton to the young, we put the young lad in the last week. I can't put his name off the top of my head. I gave him the baton, off he went. I just collapsed on the floor oh. in pain. People running over the top of me and all sorts. <laughs> so Steve Nyland, he grabbed me and pulled me on the side. And one of our British A boys has got injured as well so our physio had gone to him Okay. so the Aussie boy physio had seen me struggling and he come flying round mm. 
random and just came to me in a big bag of ice just fired it right down my lycra shorts <laughs> yeah yeah it held but it yeah. wasn't pleasant no, <laughs> and all my mates could say rich 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 party time it was a gala that night wasn't it okay right um i could hardly move i could hardly walk all i wanted to do at that point was come home mm. came home and i didn't run again really but for a, for a while three years three, gosh four years just why what don't know lost, lost I don't know if it was confidence I don't know if the fact sometimes I think it's because I was registered blind My now I can say this quite happily of myself because I'm quite confident I think I wasn't ready okay because I was competing against fully sighted athletes right and so that must have knocked your confidence knocked me bit, yeah. dropped me back a bit all that sort of stuff and so alright fair enough and then I thought I'll change sports so I did a bit I went to a couple of British games a bit of fun not competitive I won. I kept winning medals but I wasn't training for it I didn't enjoy it I was doing it because I was representing my donor at the transplant games mm. and then I just came up with this stupid idea to do middle distance being because I always get confused with middle distance 800 and 1500 meters. okay and it was a stupid idea <laughs> why because <laughs> um, I wasn't I'd, but I had my mate Paul Pickford who was my guide runner okay. and I've known him for a while and I know of Paul through social media channels and, and other yeah, people he's a speak about, yeah. top top bloke yeah. and he put up with me um, and we went to the British Games in 2016 okay. and it was World Qualifiers again and I just got over pneumonia Right. literally two weeks prior I was told you won't go to the Games don't say that to me I'll go to the games. Mm-hmm. Had pneumonia, really, really ill. Um, started the 1500. We were sitting in about, I don't know, fourth, fifth place in the 15. Got to a lap and a half to go, so where the steeple jump, water jump end is, I just started throwing up. Couldn't right. run anymore on the 15. Absolutely emptying. I was in bits. I was sh- even the announcer said this boy's lucky to be here today we know he's been ill had you trained for have you, had you adjusted hadn't, your hadn't, training hadn't trained for six weeks okay right and that's for, a long way if you're on the track for sure yeah, yeah. hadn't trained for six weeks um, and the commentator now who's doing all the announcements is now my coach he's okay. he's based in Portsmouth Malcolm Hargreaves and um, he knew me obviously he knows me aware of me and he said this boy's been really ill it's fantastic he's even on the track he's done his best out there mm. well done yeah, Rich. Track, yeah. and they all thought that was me done for the day we were sat on the hill and just before the 800 metres and Paul says you, me, talk now I went, oh, I'm going to go bollocking and it wasn't a bollocking it was a, he revved the hell up out of me uh-huh. he revved me up he had a dig at me, he had a go at me you know, you, we know you're real Just we got to dig this Okay. I went, yeah, and I trust him, mm-hmm. I really trust Paul so we went out on the 800 there were six of us in the event and we went off, straight to the back of the field and I was, I was like oh man struggling felt rough on the start line there was five or six of us in the race in my age category yeah. and um, Paul just looked at me and says let's just go with it to start, to start off with let's just go with it I went yeah okay fair enough so we plodded around right at the back they were not far and they started to spread out a little bit so Paul said alright let's up it a little bit so we trundled away we trundled into about fifth place and he said right fourth just in front of us so we plodded past them and he said okay he said medals are now in front of us I went yeah alright so we came around the 150 metre sorry, sorry 
the top bend into the home straight of the first lap. So we trundle past into fourth. No, into third, sorry. Mm-hmm. We've done a, and I know the boy. I went past him and he went, go on, Rich. Um, so we're chatting away and then we got into the home straight. He said, right, I can see second and I can see first. Oh, fair enough. So we attacked, we, so we got to them and attacked them on the back straight. Yeah. Trundle past second and then got into the 200. So and then I remember Paul saying to me, he said, now you're in your home ground, sprint, 200 meters. This is our home grounds. And he said, lift your legs, lift your... Because he was coming... The third boy, boy in third was coming back and so was the boy in fourth. Mm-hmm. They wanted a medal, obviously. And Paul said, let's go, let's go, let's go. And I said, I can't lift my legs any higher. And he said, if you don't lift your legs, I'm going to pick you up and I'm going to fire you down this track. <laughs> right, right, right. So legs were up. I was pumping my arms, pumping my legs, just giving it everything. And the commentator was going, this is going to be close at the end. This is going to be close at the end. And got into the 100. Yeah. And that's when I said to Paul, right, let's go. And we opened up my stride, opened up my legs. And at the end, we crossed the line. Paul just picked um, just hugged me. He says, I knew you could do it. Brilliant. Second. Second place. Wow, Second place. Amazing. And after that, I went and got medically checked. I mm-hmm. had to go because I was in bits. I was struggling to stand up. Well, coming in with sick. pneumonia and stuff, it's just, it must have been really hard on the body. Being sick. I remember lying there in the medical bit. And he said, yeah, you're just a bit dehydrated, Rich. Have some fluid in you. As my biggest competitor in athletics, Stephen Jarvis, cracking fella learned a lot off him he's a he's world champion at the moment world record breaker everything kidney pancreas track. he's similar he's a year old two years older than me and me and him have always been close in the mm. athletics world we're big competitors but while we we talk and chat and give each other and chat about each other stuff when he does stuff great i help him back and forth so he's a big confidence to me as well and he trundled in rich what i've put you on the plymouth um relay team what <laughs> no man I'm too ill so no nah, there's nobody else you're in because right. Portugal <laughs> didn't have a team yeah alright fair the enough sta- the stage just gets, just yeah. gets more and more yeah, why not then fair enough and so I was doing the top bend the third leg because that's the leg I'm decent at so we were sitting in I think it was last place when we got the baton because the girl on the back because it has to be one female three male in your relay team in the British Transplant Games the world is male and female okay. and um, the girl we had wasn't a runner she just said, I'll do it. So we got a team. Yep. Fantastic, brilliant. So she got in. Yeah, we dropped back a bit, but bless her. When she came to me, I could have a full-blown conversation where she was moving the way she was. Mm. Yeah, well done, love, brilliant stuff. Give me the baton. So as I took it, I just seemed to explode. All that training for the distance had helped me in my sprint. Yeah. And I fired through the field. And Stephen said to me, I took, on the changeover, I took Stephen's shoe off. So he only had one spike on now doing the home straight. I was chatting to him, and what happened? He said, I wasn't expecting you to come in that quick. <laughs> he said, you came in like a machine and you weren't slowing down. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I was went back to the room. Me and Claire went back to the garden on that night and I was throwing up badly that night mm. in the room. I was felt really drained. I was ill. And again, after that, I stopped running. Okay. I just gave up. Didn't so, want to yeah. know anymore. I fell out. It sounds love. like these were like really high pressure, yeah. maybe a bit too much on the day. I, I don't know. Just... I fell out of love. Yeah. Yeah. I really fell out of love with it. That and does happen to uh, it happens to all of us. Mm. I think yeah, it does happen. And then stupid, I finished my degree. Finished my degree in I graduated in November, just passed. But August back, so August two thousand nineteen, I started running again. But I did it for me. Mm. I wasn't running because I had to run. Yeah, I went out and did it for me. I wanted to be healthier. So I've lost over a stone and a half now since August. Wow, okay, right. Um, I'm training with Portsmouth Outdoor Fitness. 
who accept me as a visually impaired person, asked all the right questions, treat me as everybody else, and the whole group's fantastic. There's a lot more kind of information out there now, and, mm, and a lot yeah. more about inclusivity and sports yeah. and stuff. So I think it's it's good. It's yeah, like you've good got info there. You've got you've got Gavin Tristan down there, who Tristan runs it. Gavin's one of the PTs down there, and they're fantastic. And then you've got a little group who know me, but everybody helps me if there's a poll. Rich poll, mm. and they'll ting the poll so I know where the poll is when I'm yeah, running past yeah, it yeah. or something. But there's this little group. There's um, Jane, Charlotte, and Simon. Simon sounds like a steam train when he's running. It's quite amusing. It's quite, he knows it, but I know where he is. That's good. Yeah. So, hey, Again, it's another, marker, it's another marker, marker to use. And yeah. I pick up on it. Yeah. But yeah. it's... And Richard, you're obviously on Saturdays. You're down at um, Saturday Parkland. Parkland yeah. Oh, yeah. So you've been doing that for how long now? I'm, As a regular... I'm, close, I'm closing in on my 50th. Okay, good. So I'm a, I think end of March will be my 50th. So I'm closing in, but I'm not... Oh, there's a couple of dates on Carton Monks. I'm on holiday. Okay. But I'm already looking for park runs down in Cornwall, so we're going to Cornwall for a week. Isn't that great that you could just kind of take your barcode mm. and just go anywhere you want? Yeah. You know? So South Sea is obviously your regular. And it's stuff. my home one, yeah. And like, I guess for you, um, I, I got the pleasure of running with you a couple yeah. of weeks ago. And just, you know, even even though we didn't go into too much discussion about mm. it, I realised just what you have to deal with because I was there running with you yeah. and I could see how, you know, I was just a little bit more kind of aware of the movement and like you, like you were yeah. describing earlier, mm. bodies jumping out in front of you and yeah. all the obstacles you have. How do you, like, like what's your experience at South Sea like? I mean, are people, do people know you're there? You wear the blind um, runner t-shirt? The blind runner t-shirt gets missed. I don't. I think people are scared of it. I, I thought that as well. I thought people didn't, didn't I think see. they're scared of it because yeah, yeah. I don't believe they see it properly. I've got some at home that are much more blatant mm-hmm. and I've got, I'm linked with Macron. Macron support me quite heavily. Yeah. Um, there's a place up in Sergeantsworth and we're playing with the t-shirt designs at the moment to make them more obvious yeah that might be a good idea play with them because these are just the original design this is what we'll go with done mm. and I've got some other ones that the numbers all peeled off Claire thinks they work better um, but we're now playing with it because everybody's gone day glow yellow with a lot of kit now and yep. my tops are yellow yep. so we've, he's got a neon green it's almost like day glow green okay and we're thinking of putting some day glow writing on it. Yeah. So it pings a little bit more. Okay. Um, so we're messing around with them at the moment. So that will be out and out. But I'm, people, I've noticed a lot of people talk in chat, talk in chat. And I'll talk to people that know me. And there's like people like Paul Norris down there who is my plumber. But he's really, yeah. he, I'll see him. And he always gives me a shout out around on Park mm. Run. And so does Mark Jeffries, who's down there from time to time, who I know from Fairham. Yeah. Um, but I think some people, people are scared to approach me because of my blindness yeah well people don't know what to say don't know what to say or, yeah. no I ain't precious about it yeah not yeah. at all yeah. I, I'm, I use it to my advantage when I do the beginner's briefing mm. I can't see the point of this myself but this is what we got to do of course and you, it gets you, a few giggles because yeah, yeah, yeah. they stick the blind runner can't see the point of it have a bit of a laugh and they just yeah it's one of those things you know so you do volunteer there as well have you, have you mm. done so you've done the new runner's briefing have you done any other roles um, down there I've done, well? not at South Sea I, I, I was very early at Fairham I was one of the, I was when okay. it was really setting up so I've done barcode scanning, um, Marshall. Um, I was trained to be an RO. I went through a period of it an RO, but I found it was just on, too heavy on top of all my degree at the time. Okay. You mean um, RO, you mean RD? RD, sorry, sorry. Uh, race officer, race director. Yeah, so it yeah, depends yeah. what you call it, yeah. yeah. Um, and so I was doing, a, but yeah, I've, I've always happily volunteer and cool. I'm cl- closing it on my 25th as well, so. Okay. So be nice, I guess it would be nice, like as people listening, um, if they're if they are at South Sea Park and they Say do hello. see your yellow. It's, yeah. At the moment, it's yellow, but it might be green. Might be, maybe they go. You see, yeah. you see, Rich in his blind runner T-shirt. Do go over and say hello yeah. and have a chat with you because, you know, it'd be nice if, if people were more aware that you were there, mm. just to make 
the running you know don't have to do anything special but just to help just to know yeah. you're aware yeah is, is, it is it's yeah. it's the t-shirt's more for your safety than mine yeah to be honest because I could just play straight through you mm. and I wouldn't see you there but I've, I've you, seen you do that in the queue for the uh, for, you know yeah. for scanning I mean, because they stopped early and I didn't pick up yeah, the stop exactly and I'm oh yeah. and backed off and went sorry and then yeah. it's alright and it was somebody I'd done it to before as well so oh, she really? knew it was me oh. <laughs> hello <laughs> okay. so we must have run, run very similar times yeah yeah and I know some park runs have had uh, you know uh, their, their RDs or their or some of their volunteers have been trained to run Guide with runners. blind runners mm. have you ever been asked about that or inquired about um, that I've been asked Ferrum had me involved at the start but they have specialist training for them it's yes. done by British Blind Sports they get involved and they yeah. train all that sort of stuff. so a blind blood would just get in the way to be honest um, but I've had loads of people who I on Strava friends or whatever, I'm desperate to fill all the park park one roles mm. let me run you run guide with you all the way around yeah, yeah. I'm like I don't really run with guides and yeah, I only yeah, run with yeah. a guide that I know and I trust yeah yeah. Um, which is my guide runner is Paul hmm. um, and I've also learned from running with people I'm not a talker when I'm running okay and but it's you, not yeah. rude or anything like that it's concentration yeah yeah, it's I get that concentration hmm. and you were talking more when we ran you were talking more on the way back I think when yeah. there was a little bit less people around I yes just, yeah. yeah and um, I know a lot of, I mean, for example, um, 10 days ago, my confidence got knocked because of somebody in the street. I was out for a little plod. I'd be messing around with my trainers because somebody told me about hocker. And, Who uh, was that? Oh, I don't know. This, this bloke <laughs> that blows these pipes. It just keeps going on about these trainers. Every, everyone knows I like my hockers, yeah. And, um, <laughs> and I've been sort of, I've been playing around with my own trainers at home. I've been trying some of these 4% things and, mm. and just trying them. And I am probably going to replace a pair of mine that I've been stuck to for years at some point because I am signed up for the Great South again this year and I'm never I can't say no to a change Yeah. because yeah, yeah. being visually impaired sometimes you've got to go oh, visually blind you've got to go you know what it may actually make life that little bit easier for me you for just sure. don't know Yeah. Um. so I'm not a oh no I can't do that mm. oh, yeah, I'll have a go but it's got to be on my terms yeah for sure Does that makes sense absolutely, yeah absolutely yeah. so but i know you're very passionate about your hawkers <laughs> well, well we'll get you in a pair to try them especially if you're doing more mileage and so mm, it might be interesting yeah. to, to you know like you say just try stuff you know that's what it's all yeah. about that's what running's all about you know trying. you know i'm an asics boy <laughs> well <laughs> we'll, have, we'll have words rich. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> always been 20 years of asics brilliant well rich i'll I tell you what mm. um it's been absolutely amazing. I know you've got so many more yeah. stories to tell yeah, and stuff. Yeah. And uh, I'm just curious to know like what your plans are for the future. Obviously, so you're running for yourself now. I'm running for myself enjoyment. at the moment. Um, what are your goals long-term? Long-term goals at the moment is to stay fit and healthy. Good. And there are the British Transplant Games this year up in Warwick, which are the British Transplant Games home base. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's the World Qualifiers. I am going to be competitive, okay. but I've also got a plan afterwards if I decide that's my last track session. Okay. Because and which events will you be? Will you be training? One hundred, two hundred, and four hundred. Okay. But I'm not. I'm not confirming I'm going yet. Mm-hmm. But it's on the target because the worlds are in Houston, and I don't know if I've got it in my body to put all that effort and work in to go to Houston again, yep. to the worlds again. But if I got selected got to think about it yeah okay brilliant that's that's really exciting uh, prospects then yeah, for the year definitely um there was something actually i wanted to touch on which which mm-hmm. kind of uh 
it would be a nice way to end really. mm-hmm. it was something that yeah. I read myself doing research on you because oh, yeah. obviously had quite a few articles yeah and that was um, at school you were told by a teacher that um, if you'd spent as much time uh, on your education as you did in sport in your life you'd be a complete genius is it? Uh, yeah <laughs> which I, was I thought al- was nice <laughs> I was always I was always last one in after from playing football I was always the first one out the door when it was break time yeah, yeah. just to get out playing football and, and is there anything out there just as a final we've got some recovery questions yeah. recovery run questions I, I like, like that they're quite good fun yeah um, just just as a last point is there anything out there that you'd like like the, the runners of Portsmouth to know people who might do parkrun or might see you out on the seafront um, to know about you um, running while blind just any kind of kind of advice or, or anything that, yeah I don't bite you don't bite I don't bite go over and talk I, come yeah, over and come chat. say hello I'm not scary I mean my wife runs sometimes she's a better distance runner than me when she, she's gone through some health problems at the moment but she's a much better distance runner than me so she'll she's out there she'll give me abuse when she's running around I'm like, I can take abuse as long as it's within like height I can take abuse don't worry about it I like that Rich that's really, that's really good advice so go over and chat to Rich <laughs> yeah, if you're out and, uh, see him, see him I'm not sure. scary as I look so recovery run questions Rich um, yeah. what shoes are you currently running in Asics and Omas okay well, well we'll swiftly move on to the next question <laughs> I'm only kidding I'll tell you what when you find the trainers that work for you it's sweet isn't it it's um, good yeah Asics and Omas I've got my Gore-Tex on today because I'm going to go for a run after here good okay uh, what's been your most memorable running moment yeah. that's going to be tough um, one, that's, one that sticks out um, it's a weird one probably completing the Great South Run as a sprinter I was chuffed when that line turned up what, what year was that 2000 and wife done it then 1916 2016 okay brilliant mm. so that's a massive change in distance so yeah I can, I can understand <laughs> yeah. how that'd be a, how that'd be a good achievement yeah. who, who ran with you Claire Claire ran with you okay yeah. brilliant uh, do you have a, a role model or anybody who's helped inspire you through your running I got three but they're different ways go for it so my transplanted organ my donor my best mm-hmm. mate I never met Orion Young my coach yep and Paul Pickford Brilliant. Three three good guys. Three really, really brilliant people that have helped yeah. you along. Fantastic. Uh, what music are you currently into? Any bands or anything? A oh, band I'm into at the moment is Walking on Cars, an Irish band that I've always liked. They came out a couple of years ago, but I do like my rock. I am a rock indie. Okay. ACDC, Stereophonics, Ocean Colour Scene, cool. um, Deacon Blue. Okay. I'm going to hopefully get tickets to them this year, actually. Oh, nice. Okay. Deacon Blue, yeah. Walking on Cars. Never heard of them. I'm going to go, I'm going to go and look at them. Both <laughs> albums. Choose either albums. They're both brilliant. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, what's the best piece of advice that you've ever received for your running it's actually quite recent and it was from Paul Pickford he said run when uncomfortable cool I, I, I get that there's a place for that for sure absolutely yeah, run when uncomfortable good advice um, here's a bit of a strange question that I'd like yeah. to just throw that because I'd like to include some different questions yeah. if you could time travel when would you go to <laughs> what in my life or in general in general or, or in your life or, or whenever any any moments in the past? Um, I've just got my history degree, so I love I love. Oh, there's loads of periods of time I really enjoy. <laughs> I love the ancient Scottish history, so like the um, early 14th century. I love all that sort of stuff. But I'm fascinated about the Second World War. Really? Okay. Absolutely fascinated about how it ticked and it worked and why they did what they did when they did it and all those backgrounds not just it happened why yeah. it happened and so all the... maybe like back then being involved in yeah, some kind of like the tactical background government yeah, yeah that sort okay. of thing yeah interesting okay do you have a favourite post-race uh, treat so like a, a meal or a drink or a hobby or anything you do I've just got a milky chocolate 
I've just got yeah. into truck and it, and it works. Milk, milk it's, chocolate. Yes, yeah, it's, it actually works. I, I have heard of other people drinking milk chocolates mm. after a big race, so mm. good. Favourite distance to race? 200. 200 metres, cool. Is it true that the 800 metres is the hardest? Have you ever done an 800? I've got silver on it. Okay, a silver medal. Hardest race, do you think? Uh, longest, longest time? I don't know, sprinting? I was recovering from major illness. I'd have said the 15 because I didn't finish it and I was throwing up everywhere. Fair enough. <laughs> I guess it's all about experience, isn't it? I enjoyed the eight, and the problem with the 800 is it keeps picking at me. Okay, brilliant. Rich, that's been absolutely fantastic. I've I've taken way too much of your time already. No, Um, thank you. You're a huge inspiration, mate, and and it's it's been, you know, I know I'd read a lot of your stuff beforehand, but just hearing you tell those stories Mm. uh, is is really inspiring. I think you're a great guy. You're a real kind of positive example for for people out there, all runners out there, whether whether partially sighted, blind... And I think it's amazing to chat to you, and I hope I kind of, yeah. kind of you enjoyed the experience chatting. It's weird talking about it all at once. I'm actually sat here going, oh, I've been through a lot now. Mm, yeah, <laughs> a hell of a lot. And uh, I know yeah. we didn't cover a lot of it, but yeah, I really mm. appreciate you coming on. And no, I've been brilliant. Thank you. Thank you very much.